is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, the, the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. And it's Friday, it's the Haystack on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. So good to have you in. iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Look who we have today. Good morning. Big J journalist Matt Catarizzolo. How have you been? I, I feel like I haven't seen you in millenniums. I've been good. I've been all right. I mean, you know, school, basically. It's school, Stupid. School is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I it's you. just, it's, I mean, you know, being with you guys in the summer was easy because, you know, you know, Vinny and I had nothing to do, like, during the day. We had nothing to do during the week, so, I mean, we, we, our availability was so, like, stretched out. Now, I'm fluid. like, I feel like I don't have a minute. Yeah. But it's good. It's good to be here every, every now and again. Yeah, but like, you know what? You're prepared. You're here today. Exactly. You are ready to, ready to go. Ready to go. Uh, today's Friday, so you know what that means. My four shore four... Coming up at the top of hour number two. That's coming up at 12. We got picks. We got Ryan Pavich joins us at 12.30. We got picks coming up in hour three. End of the show. We got Friday Athlete Deathmatch. We're always Uh. loaded on Friday. We want to get you loaded into your weekend. But I do want to begin with this. The Patriots won last night on Thursday Night Football, and I'm pretty sure we all saw that coming. It was a 35-14 final score. It was exactly what we thought it would be. Even though we knew what the outcome would be, I thought we had an interesting matchup of quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Daniel Jones. You know, the the seasoned veteran, most people call him the GOAT, and the young, up-and-coming, promising quarterback for the New York Giants who's replacing Eli Manning. So we did have an interesting matchup of quarterbacks yesterday. Now, I spent a lot of time yesterday talking about Daniel Jones and the Giants' game plan. I wanted to see the Giants air it out. You have no weapons. What do you have to lose? Air the ball out yesterday. And for the most part, I'm actually kind of pleased. I would have liked to see him throw the ball a little bit more, but the time of possession was so skewed over. It was Patriots 40 minutes. Uh, Giants had it for pretty much 20. Daniel Jones threw it a lot, but I would have liked to see it a little bit more and a little bit more downfield. But he was trying to make some big plays, and I'm happy about that. But my takeaway actually wasn't from Daniel Jones. It was from Tom Brady. Did we notice that Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown pass last night against the Giants' defense? Let me ask a question. Why are we so hesitant to criticize Tom Brady? And I get that he's great, and most think he's the GOAT, but... Why don't we ever really look at what he does? We just look at the wins, and, and that's enough for us when it isn't for anybody else. You realize that? Every other quarterback that has ever played in this league, it's been, hey, it's not how many wins you have, it's how you win. But for Brady, it's, <laughs> I mean, the guy just keeps winning. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous. He just keeps winning. I've been a harsh critic of Dak Prescott at times. And especially recently. I just told you that I wouldn't mind if the Cowboys drafted another quarterback. I've been really harsh on Dak. Dak is 35-18 and 18 in his career. He's 3-2 and two this year. 
He's played well and won against the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. And he's played poorly and lost to the Saints and the Packers. Our takeaway has been understandably so. Well, he's only good against bad teams, and he can't win against good teams, and all of that stuff. He's kind of, he's a fair-weather quarterback. You play an inferior opponent, you look great. You play a superior opponent, you look kind of terrible. That's how it is. That's how we've seen Dak Prescott play. Isn't that Brady this year? Brady is undefeated, 6-0 and this year. Everyone is globbing over how, ah, uh, he, he's the goat. Oh, my God. He just keeps winning. That's Tom always winning all this stuff. So when it comes to Tom Brady, we choose to ignore the fact that his wins came against the Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, and now Giants. Oh, and people will say, Mike, <laughs> the Bills, they're good. They got a top three defense. Agreed. And Tom had his worst game in 13 years in that game. Granted, week one, Steelers was a healthy Roethlisberger. With a terrible secondary. Terrible secondary, but granted, a healthy Roethlisberger. 18 of 39 with zero touchdowns and a pick in the game against the Bills. The top three defense. Yeah, he was awful in that game. I'm not telling you that Tom Brady isn't great. I'm not even telling you he's overrated. But I am telling you that we're a lot softer on Tom Brady than everyone else. He's painted as a winner, and I get it. It's because he's won, and won a lot. But we've gotten to the point where his wins are all the same when they're not. And Tom Brady didn't play well last night. Didn't throw a touchdown pass. And whenever he threw the ball downfield, it was in real danger of getting picked. And one of them did. What I see from Brady today is a guy who's actually digressing. I'm not saying that because of his age and how eventually he's got to come down. Watch him play. He's less accurate, especially downfield. His fastball is a little bit slower. Belichick is having him dump off a lot more than usual. Brady's getting protected within the Patriots system to this year, today. The Patriots might be 6-0. and They really will. They really might be. They're 6-0. and But against bad teams, all of these wins aren't the same. I see the digression from Tom, but we choose to ignore it because of what he's done, not what he's doing. We give all these other quarterbacks a massive amount of flack. Dak, Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Ben, Phillip Rivers, all of these guys that are good quarterbacks in this league. Uh, Hey, as soon as they play a good defense, (laughs) they need the running game. They need the offensive line. They need receivers. Oh, boy. Now, Tom, he's different. All those guys are Hall of Famers. Well, Dak isn't. Golf well, no, isn't. No, not, da- not Dak and Golf yet. Yet. To be seen. But most to of those guys, seen. Ben, Rodgers, Rivers, Brady, they're all. Wilson, yeah. Wilson, I, they're all bona fide Hall of Famers. They're all going to be. First right. ballot Hall of Famers. Agreed. Agreed. But the narrative with quarterbacks in the league is well, it, all these guys, they're great against, and especially with Dak. I hear it all the time as a Cowboy fan, right? Hey, hey Dak. 
<laughs> watch him against you watched him play against the Packers. He was terrible. Oh my goodness. We thought he was going to be great after the first three weeks because oh my goodness, he played the Dolphins and the Skins and the Wow, those defenses are terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Need I remind you that Tom Brady so far this year has played in the first six weeks of the season. I'll give him credit. Big Ben week one. That's fine. Then, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Luke Falk, Josh Allen, Colt McCoy, and Daniel Jones. Ooh. See, the thing is, though, with Tom Brady, he's beaten, again, like, he has outplayed and played so well against so many competitive teams in the past. <clears throat> but I don't care about that this well, year. Well, I know, like, but even, again, they're defending Super Bowl champions. Last year, again, same thing. Last year, he outplayed Pat Mahomes, not once, but twice. And I think... He did not outplay Pat Mahomes. I felt, I felt like he outplayed him. He did like not he have did. a... In the AFC like Championship game, the Chiefs had that game. Brady threw a pick at the end of the game that ended the game. The Chiefs were going to win that football game. But D4 was lined up three inches off, was, offsides. That pass was also, I think, what was it, tipped by Gronkowski or something like that? Or whatever it was. It was, a, it was tipped by a patron. Hey, but look, it was. it was tipped by Gronkowski. But listen, that don't matter. That, if it was anybody else, hey, he still threw a pick. Do you see where I'm getting at? I understand. But. Brady is immune to criticism because of his history. And I'm telling you now that the but Brady I see this year shouldn't be immune to criticism because he doesn't look the same. I mean, he's got 97.5 passer rating. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Against who? You're, against again, who? Again, I know we criticize Dak all the time for the Dak guys Press, that he plays. I don't care I, about I like what he's Dak. proven. I like Dak. I, I like don't care Dak. about what he has proven or what he isn't proven. What am I seeing this year? You're still seeing a productive quarterback in Tom Brady. Right, against what defenses? Oh, if, it, I, if we're allowed to say that about Dak, I can say that about Brady. Can I not? Dak Prescott's in a contract year. I get it. I don't care about his contract year. I care about what is he showing me this year. What is he showing me this year? So who are you taking right now, Dak or Brady? Brady. I'm not, I, th- there's no question about that. End of that. story. End of conversation. Right the, there. But I'm not telling you who's better. I'm telling you, why don't we criticize Brady the same way we do every other quarterback in the league? Why don't we do that? Brady 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 was criticized last year. For what? Brady was criticized last year when they got off to a rough start. He was criticized in 2014 when they were 2-2. When? I'm not saying when they were 2-2 and and they lost to KC and everyone said, oh, Brady's done. Last year was, oh, is Brady done? Is Brady done? Is Brady done? Two years ago, it was Brady done. Every year I hear the same stuff about Brady. Is he done? Is he done? And time and time again... He proves he's not done. Every year there's been the, the, the cliff narrative that... You yeah. Know, they're, they're, you Thank know, you, Max Kellerman, for that cliff narrative. Exactly, but every year is another year that he's over the age of 40. He's continually being the oldest NFL player. And, I mean, you know, the entire thing surrounding Tom Brady is, you know, oh, he's escaping Father Time, and will, will Father Time ever catch up to but him? And tell thus far, me, we haven't seen it. So, I mean, I, I do see where you're coming from, Mike. But tell me what I'm missing. Why? You're not missing anything. And, I, and I, do, I do think that people do have, like... A New England Tom Brady kind of bias where they don't really think because they're so successful and they're you know they, they've been to whatever it is eight straight AFC championships six Super Bowl rings in the the Belichick Brady era and I, I think that that does breed a certain level of you know what you know yeah he had a bad game but you know what despite all that we like to look at the bigger picture where they're winners it's a winning culture he's the goat end of story but no I, I do think it's fair to say, yeah, you know what, he had a bad game. We can talk no, about he, how he had a bad game. He had a bad game yesterday, but I'm not, it's not going to stop me from saying, well, he's, he's done or he's, 
you know, it's it's going to the point where I can't criticize him. I'm, I, did look, he have a bad game? I mean, he's good. If I'm he, not if, telling you if he's he had done. a bad game, he's going to bounce back. That's the thing. Even when Brady has a bad game, Agreed. we know he's going to bounce back. Agreed. I'm not, I'm not telling you that he's done. I'm not even telling you that I think he's near the end. But I do see a little bit of digression. He's this year so far, he's played one good defense. And he played the worst game he's played in a decade and a half. These are the next six games for the Patriots. So week seven, they play the Jets. Then they go to then that's at that's at MetLife. They got, they play Cleveland at home at Baltimore. Then the bye, they go to Philadelphia. Then Dallas at Houston. They play Kansas City at Cincinnati. They finish the season with Buffalo and Miami. So out of those out of those teams, the only ones that actually have a formidable defense: Cleveland went healthy, Dallas. Baltimore, Dallas, and Philly. And that's about it. Houston, 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 Houston. Houston's front seven is good, but Houston's that secondary front seven, is terrible. Yeah, but their secondary is is. Pitiful. You can say the same thing about Philadelphia, though. Too, Philadelphia's secondary right. is pretty and, bad too. I mean, and the same thing can be said about Kansas City. Cincinnati is nothing. Miami is nothing, and then Buffalo. So out of those eight teams, and you know this, Evan, the Ravens have had their secondary struggles this They've year. They've had their secondary problems, and that's and listen, Brady will carve them up. The Ravens' defense isn't good at all. Brady will carve them up. Brady will carve them up, and honestly, against good defenses, even if the Ravens' defense was good, he's carved them up. Even if the Ravens' defense was good, he's carved. He'll carve them up. I know he does it all the time. Again, and, he and does what, it all the time. Right, and what I'm telling you right now is that I understand Brady's history. But that's my, my whole point is is that we are not being fair judges to what Brady actually shows us. If you've watched what Brady's done through the first six weeks, he's six and zero, oh, but he's played against five bad defenses, and the one good defense he played, he played awful against. So I'm telling you, yeah, we can we can praise the Patriots for being six and zero. Oh. But can we at least be fair about what we're seeing from Brady this year? What I see is, is he's a different quarterback this year than he was last year. I see true digression from Brady. In six games they've played, one-third of their games have been against two historically bad teams with the Redskins and the Dolphins. Right. Like, historically bad. So, yeah, you're right. Like, if they weren't... When you consider record, you have and they to played the Jets with no Quinn and Williams and no C.J. Mosley, right? And Luke Falk at quarterback, and Luke Falk at quarterback. So when you when you consider the Patriots whole thing overall, then you kind of have to start thinking you're like, well, you know what? How much how much has them being in the AFC East affected their success? Yeah, you right. can't That's ignore not it. Their, but you know what? That ain't their fault. That's the AFC East's fault. The Jets well, have been yeah, terrible for twenty I, years. The Bills, the Jets have been terrible for most of the twenty years. There have, there have been some spurts of goodness. You're right. I'm not. Six. I'm the not Bills saying it's the Patriots' years. problem, but you have to admit that it has been an advantage for them. Oh, it's an advantage, but again, that's not their fault. That's not on them. They've dominated a weak division because they're the only team in the division that's considered good. Because the Jets have been terrible most of most of right. the twenty years. And I and the I Bills I, have been terrible for twenty years. The Dolphins have been terrible. Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. What's the one thing that these three teams don't have that the Patriots do on the field? Brady. Yes, a quarterback. The Jets have been searching for quarterback twenty years. Bills, same thing. Dolphins, same thing. They've been switching coaches, well, they, switching quarterbacks. There's it's a, there's been a, a carousel. For there's both been, three there's a big difference between the Patriots and every other. Team in that division, and it's not just from the, from the top from top to bottom. And it is it's totally different. It's Front not, office, coaching staff, players. Oh everything. yeah, and it's not just the AFC East. The, the the Patriots may get knocked down in the AFC by the Ravens or the Broncos or the Chiefs or the uh, uh, what are the teams? The Colts. Uh, 
you know, the, in the Super Bowl by Philadelphia, they always get back up and they keep chugging along. The AFC has had teams where they have beat, who, who have beaten the Patriots, and that hasn't stopped them. It hasn't stopped them. There, have been, there were times in to, late 2000s, early 2010s where we thought, where a lot of people said, oh, the Patriots dynasty is done. When they got blown up by the Ravens in 2009, when they got beaten by the Jets in the playoff game in 2010, when they lost to the Ravens in the 2012 AFC title game, it was, oh, the, Jet, the Patriots are done. They're done. The dynasty's over, and they just <clears throat> picked themselves up and keep chugging along. You know, right? more, more, it, more, to your, more to your point, Evan, I mean, in, especially recently, I mean, we're talking about the last, I don't know, five years, I'll say five years. I think, the, I think most people would agree that the NFC is a better conference. Oh, it is. The NFC is a vastly better conference. Outside of New England. The NFC is going to have teams that are stacked. That aren't going to make the playoffs. Right, they're, they're going to be like ten and six teams that don't make the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, like like look at the NFC West. The NFC West, one of those teams is not going to make the playoffs. That that division is absolutely loaded. Yeah, you can make the it, you, Rams, the Seahawks, you, and the Niners are all you, playoff teams. You can make an argument that the Rams are the ones that are the most in trouble. I feel better about the Seahawks today. I feel better about the 49ers today. Yeah, I do. I, I listen. I do too. With the exception of I do too. with the exception of Arizona, that might be the best division in football. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. All right. Uh, coming up next, I have this thing about managers in baseball. Can we stop blaming them for everything? I'll tell you why we shouldn't. Next, it's the Haystack in the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Matt, good to have you in here on a Friday TGIF. I'm pretty sure everybody feels that way. Uh, Except for, I'll say this, except for one Clayton Kershaw and probably Dave Roberts. Here's my deal. Do I think that it is appropriate to get, I'll say, a little bit disappointed in the managerial strategy of the Dodgers when they lost. I can understand it. But here's why I'm saying give it a rest on Dave Roberts. Dave Roberts should not be fired by the L.A. Dodgers. Okay? Everything in baseball now is revolving around analytics. That includes bullpen. That includes Creating the batting order. That includes matchups. It includes everything. Defensive positioning. All of that stuff is analytics-driven. Okay, You've, uh, Have you ever noticed when you watch a baseball game, you see the manager on the phone more today than you do way before then? Where do you think those calls are coming from? They're not from his mom. Okay, They're coming from upstairs. Everything upstairs is going... Uh, is, Going uh, is going to end up on the field downstairs. Okay, that includes bullpen changes. You don't think that Dave Roberts talk, uh, talked uh, got the information from upstairs saying, hey, this is a good situation to put Clayton in. The analytics, I'm sure, showed it. And look, when uh, us as basic stat readers are going to say, like, hey, listen, wh- what are we talking about? Clayton Kershaw's ERA is over 12 after the seventh inning. I get it. He's facing Anthony Rendon and Juan Soto. I get it. But everything is so mathematically driven in baseball that it gave them a high percentage chance of winning. you got to keep in mind, and I feel so bad for Clayton Kershaw as a player. He is one of the top five. He's one of the premier starting pitchers in the entire league. Best pitcher of this generation. Oh, my God, he's been incredible. And he can't come through in the playoffs. 
Can you imagine? And you realize that everybody in Los Angeles hates him now, right? Did you imagine that? A fan threw his jersey on the field at the game. Wow, that's just that's over the top. Of course it is. I mean, that's ridiculous. A fan was was standing outside, letting, like, watching the people leaving the stadium, taking a Kershaw jersey and asking them, do you want to run this over? And then he would lay it down in front of their cars and they would slowly go over it. He'd say, thank you, and he picked it up and go to the car behind them. Could you imagine that? Like, your ace, your your guy, for the last 10 years. I actually didn't know that. For the last 10 years. Oh, it's a hilarious video, but like, still, like the nerve, like it's over the top. If you're a the Dodgers have a great fan base. Like, L.A. baseball is not very good, like except for the Dodgers. Like, you know, you have like you have the the California baseball in general is not that great except for the Padres, Angels, the Giants. After 2015, the A's A's pretty good. The A's are pretty good, but the the A's don't spend a lot of time being good. Okay, but the, the the Giants haven't been relevant in five years. The Dodgers have been consistent playoff content- consistently playoff losers, but consistent title yeah, contenders yeah, yeah, for yeah. years. Absolutely, and Kershaw's a big part of that. That rotation is deadly, and you know he's been your guy for ten years. Never, not a spot on his record. And then like they go and do him like like I see I hate to see that like the, how quickly fans can turn on someone who's been so loyal to the team and such a big part of their success. Now listen, Clayton Kershaw, you got to keep in mind, okay. Clayton Kershaw gave up the two home runs that tied the game. On two pitches. But do we not remember that Joe Kelly gave up the grand slam that broke the game open? Yeah, you can't do well, that. I think a lot of... I mean, I, I look, it was, of... it was all around... I, I feel like the breakdown for the Dodgers was just bound to happen. We look at I believe so- in stuff like that. But we look at the Soto home run as that moment when Soto hit that home run and tied the game. Like That was like that was the turning was point it. in the game. That was I, it. I, I understand that. And, and look, I, I get had, it. I had that sense, too. Like, oh my goodness, the Nationals are going to win. But I get that. But here's my thing. I don't like the fact how we put so much blame on managers today. Because truthfully, the role of managers has been shrunk so much. Everything is controlled by the analytics department. It just is. Like I said, lineup construction, defensive alignment, pitching matchups, all of that stuff. Bullpen. All of that stuff is controlled by upstairs. Why do you think they make those changes? And even if they don't get a phone call, where do you think scouting reports are made? All of the numbers are being told, all right, this guy does this against this guy in this defensive line. I mean, all stuff that I can't even comprehend because it's a bunch of people that are smarter than me. But that really is the deal. And look, I think it's a little bit heavy to start saying, the Dodgers got to move on from Dave Roberts. No, they don't. Dave Roberts has been a good manager for the Dodgers ever since he's been there. He's been a really good manager. Just take a deep breath. It was one mistake by the analytics department. Keep in mind, they play hard for him. They like him a lot. Managers have a reduced role. Dave Roberts is fine as the Dodger manager. They've they've already announced that he's coming back, and I think it's a good decision that uh, that he is coming back. All right. Uh, Let's go to... The news on a Friday with our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo. So we started the show off talking about Tom Brady, but, you know, we, we talked a lot about how he's not criticized enough, but, you know, there, there, is, there is a little bit to praise him for. So, so last night he actually passed Peyton Manning for second all-time in career passing yards. Yeah. So uh, Peyton Manning was sitting at a career passing yardage of 71,940. Last night Brady ended the game with 71,941. So he is second. Oh boy! He is second only to Drew Brees now. The last time this happened, that the numbers, the number one and two leaders in 
passing yards was 1998 with John Elway and Dan Marino. Wow. Yeah. Really? Interest, very interesting. Yeah, here's here's my – if you've ever talked to me about uh, quarterbacks, I, I've always said that I, 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 think Peyton, I, I think Peyton Manning is the greatest player to ever play. I, I think that guy is uh, – the IQ of that guy and the precise throwing of that guy, I think, is just ridiculous. So you're saying he's the greatest quarterback talent we've ever seen. Uh, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. He's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. Um, I I do want to say this, though. Peyton Manning, even though Brady passed him, I still think that like, if I was going to go for volume yards, I would still take Peyton. I wouldn't take Brady. Would you give Brady the advantage in anything? If you're talking about, like, QB skill. Like, is there anything mm-hmm. you think Brady can do better than Peyton? Performance in the clutch. Okay. Performance in the clutch. Well, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah, I'd probably give it to Brady at the end of the game instead of Peyton. But that that isn't necessarily a skill. That's more of a, of an intangible. Yeah, you can't. I feel like you can't teach that. Yeah, that's not something that. Yeah. Uh, so skill wise, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Peyton had a pretty strong arm. Peyton was really accurate. I, I think he's smarter than Brady. I I, I don't know. I, I I think if if you were gonna ask me if I could have a blank check, if I could have a blank team with average players, average offensive line, average coaching, average defense. And I needed to pick one guy in NFL history to give me a potent, precise, volume offense. High-scoring volume offense. I would take Peyton Manning over Tom Brady. Mm. And that's why I think he's greater. Because I think Peyton Manning could produce more offense than Tom Brady on his own. Mm. And, I, and I think that is way more... Sp- but hey, look... Uh, that's a great achievement by Brady. It really is. But we all kind of expect this. Brady's going to come close to or break every record, and he already has. He's probably going to, if he plays another year, he's probably going to break. I mean, he might break Drew Brees' record this year, but if he plays another year, he's probably going to be. Well, no, Drew Brees obviously still playing, of course, but yeah. Yeah. He's probably, but, you know, he's probably not. Yeah, he's probably not going to pass Drew Brees though. If Brees keeps playing. Well, yeah. So he's well, Drew Brees has to get. Drew Brees has to get credit for being one of the greatest quarterbacks. Also, that guy has been. That guy's the most accurate thrower of the football I've ever seen. Drew Brees makes throws that I've never seen before. And I, I and I mean like and based on precision. Like athletically, Patrick Mahomes I think is the best quarterback I've ever seen in my life athletically. But precise throwing the football, Drew Brees is the most accurate thrower I've ever seen and Peyton's the smartest player I've ever seen. You know who's going to enter the top 10 passing yards this year? Matt Ryan. Wow, Matt Ryan is eleventh with forty-eight thousand three hundred seventy-five. Oh, yeah, I bet. Warren Moon is number ten with forty-nine thousand three hundred twenty-five. So Matt Ryan is probably going to very well pass Warren Moon this year, and he'll be top ten passing yards. Yeah, All right. that's crazy. What's next? So sticking with the Patriots here, uh, on Thursday night, as a Fox making his debut as a Thursday night Fox oh, Sports Football yeah. analyst, Robert Cre- uh, Rob Gronkowski made his first appearance, talk about, you know, the Giants matchup with the Patriots. Uh, so, before that, Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, went on NFL Game Day kickoff ahead of Thursday night's clash, and he left the door actually wide open when talking about Gronk's retirement. 
They keep teasing us with this. So like, listen, listen, this is a, listen, quote, this is a quote from Robert Kraft. We all love Gronk, and I think the bottom line is he hasn't put his retirement papers in. So we can always pray and hope. That's a good academic argument. There's still hope that we can play with Gronk. They keep teasing. It's like, hey, Gronk, my guys. I've said this. They're, they're giving us an inch. They're giving us an inch every time, every time. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure I've said this. And you can remind me whether or not I'm wrong on this. But Gronk's coming back. I, I'm telling you right now, I get his love and life. I think Gronk's coming back at some point. I really do. But I, it, it's it's one of those things where I am, I'm not even really sure what to think. Because at some points he sounds like, God, the best decision I ever made was retiring from the NFL. Right? Uh, we is it hear cr- that but sometimes. is that the Patriots, though? Is that the Patriots who are like, I keep telling Gronk, hey, come back, come back. And this Gronk's, is, this is, this Gronk's is what Gronk, like, I don't know. This is what Gronk said in response to it. He goes, you know, I've answered this question many times before. I would have to be feeling it, feeling it big time yeah. to come back. It's always going to be on my mind. I love the game of football. I love playing the game. I love being around the game. I even love watching the game of football now. It makes just the appreciation to watch it, just seeing the hits, seeing the glory of it. You understand the, you understand the game so much more and why fans are fans of the game so much more. So I'll always keep it open. I'll always keep it open. I'll always keep the door open. So, I mean, there's been yeah. no outright denial. No. No, and imagine how much imagine how much better the Patriots' offense would be if they did get Gronk back. They just released Benjamin Watson, too. I know. I mean, Josh Gordon left the game last night. Antonio Brown's not there. They have Edelman they use it. and Philip Dorsett as their primary pass catchers. Kill Harry's on IR. They don't yeah. even have him. Burkhead didn't play last night. Sony Michelle has been absent. Sony Michelle hasn't been doing anything. He, I think he had like he had a hundred scrimmage yards last night, but there were three there were three Patriots rushing touchdowns last night. Not one of them was with Sony Michelle. Yeah. So I mean they, they do So it was with it, two of them came from Brady, and the other one came from Brandon James, Bolden, I think. Brandon Bolden. Yeah. Crazy. That's, That's weird. Uh, it, but it's amazing too what the Patriots get out of nobodies. Philip Dorsett was a nobody. I mean, he was a cast-off in Indianapolis. You remember that? He was a first-round pick, but he was terrible. Yeah, that was that was that receiving core of, like, T.Y., Dorsett, and Moncrief back, yeah. back then. In, uh, right, and Dorsett was non-existent right, in Indianapolis was, he was, he was at all. Third, he was the third-best option on a mediocre team. I mean, that's great. Have you ever heard of Brandon Bolden before this year? Bolden's been with the Patriots for what? Five or six years? I, I could be way off. No, but Edelman's been with them forever. Well, forever. Yeah. And he's only gotten good, like, a couple nine. years ago. Seriously. Right. Craziness. Philip Dorsett's interesting, too, because, you know, I Philip Dorsett, again, he was a bust in, he was a bust in Indianapolis, and he comes to New England, and he forms this pretty solid chemistry with Brady. Like, him and Brady have actually had a decent connection with each other. Belichick has been able to put them in with a strength for him, his strengths. Right. Brady and Dorsett have, have formed a nice chemistry together. Like, you got to be impressed. Right. All right, so last last little thing. So uh, Jacksonville Jaguars owner Shad Khan actually expects Jalen Ramsey to play on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. Wow. Said that him and the all-pro cornerbacks sat down and had a, quote, heart-to-heart. And while they're still far apart on contracts and amid the trade request, he said, I think he's going to play this week, so hopefully you'll have to tune into the Saints game. That's a quote from Shad Khan. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It really sounds like Jalen Ramsey's done. In Jacksonville, I would be surprised if he played. I feel like it's kind of already just a fractured relationship, and yeah, I'm not right. too sure if he is willing to kind of meet them halfway. It's kind of either like, okay, you make me the highest paid corner, or I'm out of here. Right, exactly. Well, I don't even think it's that. I don't. I don't think he wants to play for the Jaguars anymore. No, I don't think like, so. Like, because Shad Khan has said 
Oh, I have no problem making the highest paid cornerback in the league. Like he said that I will pay you more than any corner has ever gotten paid in this league. So it's, it's kind of like the Trent Williams approach. He doesn't care. Like, it's yeah. kind of like the Trent Williams approach. Like Trent Williams doesn't want to be on the he's, Redskins. He's done. And I, truthfully, I don't blame Trent Williams. Washington is a mess. Who would want to be on the I, Look, I'm there? picking the Dolphins to win. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm picking the Dolphins to win this week because wh- this past week in Washington, it's been such a mess. Right. Gruden gets fired. I don't know who their coach is. The ownership's been terrible. Bill, Bill Callahan is their interim head coach. He's their I offensive mean, line coach. Jeez. I mean, I'm, if, you're, I'm if not, you're in Washington yeah. right now, you know, you got the Nationals and then the Mystics actually just won the WNBA championship. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a little good and bad. And so, yeah, not, not, not too great on the Redskins front. But hopefully, yeah, in a, in a game where they could use... Where they could use some secondary, you know, they're they're gonna have to put, they're gonna need some protect, they're gonna need someone to watch Michael Thomas that whole game. So, yeah. you know, we'll keep our eyes open for for Jalen Ramsey possibly being on the field on Sunday. Yeah. All right, that's the news. Big J journalist Matt Catarizzolo here on a Friday. Oh boy, I love Friday shows because we're so loaded. Uh, all right, coming up next, my four shore four. I'll give you my four best. Gambling picks for this weekend. I'm eight and four so far since I've been doing this. So sixty six percent of the time I've hit on these. It's the first one in a couple of weeks, right? Uh, first one, yeah, in a couple of weeks. Yes, I think the last one I did was a few weeks ago. So I'm a couple of weeks behind. So my four shore four coming up next. The haystack hour two. Don't go anywhere. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show Yo. with Mike Guido. Hour two, good to have you in. Friday, Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeart Radio, TuneIn Radio, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer, Matt Catarizzolo, Big J Journalist. Good to have you in here on a Friday. Uh, it's noon, so you know what that means. For sure, four. My top four gambling picks for the weekend. I'm eight and four, so 66% on these have hit. So here we go. For sure, four. I've got these are gifts. These are gifts this week. I'm telling you right now. Number one, this is my favorite bet all week. I'm gonna make it myself. This is ridiculous. I, I take the Saints plus one on the road against Jacksonville. That is a game that you've got to take. It's a pick'em game. Teddy Bridgewater's been fantastic for New Orleans. I don't think that in Jacksonville against that Jacksonville defense, I don't think it's going to phase him. Teddy Bridgewater's done work against good defenses. He's gone into Seattle and won. He's gone. To, uh, he's played at home against Dallas and won. He's played against Tampa Bay and won. He's beaten good defenses. This is no different. I'm also looking deep into this. Gardner Minshew, right now on the road, is only completing six... uh, I'm sorry, not on the road. So far right now, Gardner Minshew, a 59% completion percentage in week five. The completion percentage for me is going a little bit down. And in wins, this is actually a relatively interesting number, in wins, his completion percentage is only about 62%. So what I'm going to say here is, 
if they were able to keep Gardner Minshew underneath the number, I like the Saints plus one at home. I think that is a gift by the odds makers. Number two, and I know people are going to say, oh, why are you going to take this game? It's just going to be a total crap show. Number two, I'm taking the Dolphins plus three and a half at home against the Redskins. I am taking the Dolphins. Jay Gruden gets fired. The the front office is in turmoil. We still don't know what the answer at quarterback is going to be. If if the Dolphins were going to win one game this year, it's going to be this one at home against the Redskins. They're absolutely awful. They can't score points. They don't have a running game. They don't have very good wide receivers. And without Trent Williams, their offensive line has really struggled. So Miami can open the door here and get their first win of the season. I like Miami plus three and a half at home against the Redskins. Number three, give me the Dallas Cowboys minus seven and a half at the Jets. I think the Cowboys are going to blow out the Jets this weekend. I really do. I think they're going to win big. I, I believe in the bounce back theory. I do. I believe in the bounce back theory to where a team that gets embarrassed one week bounces back the next week. Dallas got embarrassed in their own building. They are not going to give up many points, and they're going to score a lot of them. And I know Sam Darnold's coming back for the Jets, and people are going to say, hey, look, that's a game. I don't think Sam Darnold's up to full strength. I think it's going to take a couple of weeks for him to get back into full shape and get him back into full form. Plus, without Chris Herndon and without all those defensive pieces, the Jets, I think, are still really going to struggle. So I like the number here. I think they're giving I think they're giving the Jets a little bit too much credit, and I think they're disrespecting Dallas a little bit after the uh, after the Packer loss. Give me the Cowboys at MetLife minus seven and a half, and then the college game number four. I like Texas plus eleven at home against Oklahoma Cotton Bowl. Uh, This is, I think, a massive game. Everybody's going to watch it. It's the big noon game, so everybody's going to be watching this football game. Texas Texas is too good to be an an 11-point underdog. I'm sorry. They're too good. Sam Ellinger, Duvernay, their little slot receiver, Colin Johnson. Texas can score points. They can really score points. Now, I know Oklahoma will, too. And I know people are going to say, oh, how does the Texas defense contain Jalen Hurts? I'm not expecting them to. I'm expecting Texas to keep up offensively with Oklahoma. I'm not sure uh, Texas wins the football game, but I think they keep it under a touchdown. So give me Texas plus 11 at, uh, at UT against Oklahoma. So those are my four short four, just to recap for you. Take the Saints plus one against the Jaguars in Jacksonville. I would take the Dolphins plus three and a half at home against Washington. I would take the Cowboys minus seven and a half at MetLife against the Jets. And then I would also take Texas in Texas plus 11 against Oklahoma. I like that, Evan. That little cha-ching. Yeah, like right right after you said, see, I got things, I got good ideas. All right, so I like the Saints. Oh, you goob. What? I said I like the Saints, and I thought you were going to oh. do the thing. Well, you were, well, I no. like it. I, See, it made more sense when you were talking about the spread and everything, not just saying, I like the Saints, I like this, I like that. All right, Saints plus one, Dolphins plus three and a half, 
Cowboys minus seven and a half, and Texas plus 11. Cash in, folks. Take it to the bank. That's the four shore four. Do it every Friday. I'm eight and four so far, so pretty sure you can trust me with your money a little bit. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? You think those are good bets to make, or where where am I on this? I mean, I like it, and you're right. I mean, that that game is going to be a total, like, you know, it's going to be unwatchable, but I mean, you know. Dolphin skins? It's interesting. I mean, I I don't know. I I see that that game going either way. Don't buy. Don't buy. Yeah, I like it. I like like it. All right. All right, so here we go. Coming up next. Ryan Pavich, Pinstripe Alley, comes on. We're going to talk playoff baseball with him. I, I, I got to be honest, I didn't expect this NLDS, uh, this NLCS. I want to get his thoughts on that. Managerial shot, what shot do the Yankees have against the Astros in the ALCS? All that coming up next. It's the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you back. k Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Pinstripe Alley, SB Nation. Yankees writer, Ryan Pavich. Ryan, how are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. We're glad we actually got you back on the phone. That's why we had to extend our break. For some reason, it totally cut out. Probably, I would imagine it's on our end. We never get stuff to work. But... <laughs> I do want to. I do want to start with this, Ryan. I, I want to start away from the Yankees for a little bit. So the Dodgers, they lost to the Nationals in the division series, uh, and a lot of people are pointing the finger at Dave Roberts and pointing the finger at Clayton Kershaw. I, I do want to kind of say this: a lot of managing responsibilities have kind of been deferred to the analytics department. It's kind of it, it has become so analytics driven. What do you make of that whole Kershaw Dave Roberts situation? And how is Dave Roberts' job as a manager looking right now? Yeah, he mentioned a lot of a lot of decisions are analytical, but Roberts in his post game conference he said that was that was a gut call on his part. He wanted Kershaw to get those outs, and you know, it kind of just like an emotional response there. Uh, you know, you, you get it in some respects. He's your fa- face of the franchise and all that, but I mean. The Dodgers had enough bullpen arms ready to go to get through those last two innings. They got a big out out of Kershaw, and honestly, probably should have made the move after that. Uh, it's it's tough to look at his prospects going forward, but it it certainly doesn't bode well for him. I mean, I, I mean, do we have a sense of understanding of why he left Kershaw in? I mean, he he got that first out uh, when he came in pretty easily. I, and I get that leaving him in to face Rendon and Soto back to back is a is a tough assignment, but to, I mean Clayton Kershaw's Clayton Kershaw. I mean this is a, this guy is a good given his struggles in the postseason. I mean this guy's a premier pitcher in our game. Is there kind of at least a sense of understanding of why Dave Roberts left him in the game? The the only explanation I could give you, Mike, is that he he wanted Clayton Kershaw to have that postseason moment. I mean the rest of it just doesn't add up. I mean, you could look at uh, lefty-on-lefty matchups. You could look at the numbers. But, I mean, it it doesn't seem like there was a specific advantage that Roberts was getting by leaving Kershaw out there. He was just – he wanted to go to his guy. I don't know. That's a really 
interesting thing. And it's a it's a tough, touchy subject in Los Angeles. So if you ever go there, don't – and if you have dinner with somebody, just, just don't bring it up. It's better that you just leave it off the table. Uh, all right, I want to get into this too because the NLCS I think is a very interesting series, Nationals and St. Louis – uh, I like St. Louis in the series. I think they're going to represent the National League because I have more faith in the depth in their pitching because I think what we saw in the division series is that the Nationals were getting used to using starters out of their bullpen. They used a lot of Scherzer and a lot of Patrick Corbin out of the bullpen, and in a seven-game series, I'm not sure that they can do that. What, what are your thoughts, and who do you like in the NLCS? Yeah, I definitely don't like the Nationals' prospects with their pitching going forward. You look at how they manage their bullpen against the Dodgers, and it became clear that anyone not named Sean Doolittle or Daniel Hudson was not getting trusted out of that bullpen. And you're right, it, it doesn't seem like they could use that strategy of using starters as relievers, especially for any length of time. They went multiple innings when they did that usually um, in a seven-game series, and especially when the series... Uh, shifts back to Washington, you got to play three straight games, and you want to start a Max Scherzer, a Steven Strasburg in those games, that's going to take them totally out of the reliever option for another day or two. That's going to be a very tough stretch for them to get there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think St. Louis, and St. Louis has the pitching. I really do think that they always seem to have pitching. Uh, Adam Wainwright is great in the playoffs. Jack Flaherty's fantastic. And then again with Miles Michaelis and Dakota Hudson, I think they're they're going to be okay there. And then Martinez and, and Miller and Brebia and all these guys that they can work out of the bullpen. I like what St. Louis is doing. They were my pick to make it to the World Series uh, at the beginning of the year. How do you think offensively they stack up against each other? I think Washington has a slight advantage there. Um the Cardinals do have bats. You obviously have Paul Goldschmidt. You have Marcelo Zuna. You have some pop in that lineup. Um, but it can be prone to very uh, very inconsistent runs. They're a very fastball-oriented hitting team. Um, not so good against the off-speed stuff. And, you know, the Braves kind of mismanaged that advantage that they had. They didn't line up their starters to be able to take advantage of their off-speed pitchers as well. But the Cardinals can take advantage there, they can make up for that mistake, and when you look at the Cardinals lineup, um, they just, they don't have as much firepower, but they have enough hitting to get through. Okay. Yeah, I, I look, I, I like I said, I like the Cardinals and the NLCS, I think they'll represent the National League. Now, we see Houston beating Tampa Bay last night. They face the Yankees in the, uh, in the ALCS, and I remember you saying that you like the Yankees anyway, but here's my thing. Uh, Garrett Cole, to me, looks like he's the best pitcher in baseball. How do you see the Astros pitching, the way that they're going to have to restructure it? Because it's more than likely that we're going to get Zach Granke in game one to, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, how do you see Houston maneuvering their rotation against the Yankees lineup in this series? Yeah, so... Based on how Houston's used their pitching in the division series, it looks like they want to go with a three-man rotation with Verlander, Cole, Greinke. Um They have the option of Wade Miley. They have um, some pieces in the bullpen that could give them length. But mainly they want to ride the guys that got them there. They want to use those starting three. 
Um, and that lines them up to use Granke and Verlander game one and two in Houston, and then have to pitch Cole in New York. And we haven't seen him on the road yet. Obviously, he's been magnificent the entire season, so I don't think it would give them that much of a disadvantage. But I think the Yankees got a decent advantage by having to make Cole get out of his comfort zone a little bit based on the way Houston has to line up that rotation. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting watch. Who should the Yankees be most scared of in the Astros' rotation? It has to be Cole. I mean, you look at what he's done over this last 18-game stretch, he's just been magnificent. I mean, probably the Cy Young winner. In my eyes, it's either him or Verlander, but I would give it to Cole. Um, And when you look at a guy like that, obviously you give him your best shot, but the Yankees' method to winning this series is probably reminiscent of their last World Series win, where they just have to go around a top guy like Cliff Lee, you have to just win the games around him and hope for the best. Yeah, I, I, I would imagine that the Yankees are just going to have to find ways to hit. How do you see the Yankee ro- – I'm going to flip the script a little bit. How do you see the Yankee rotation working against the Astros line? Because the Astros can hit too. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're a scary lineup, and, you know, they got, they got lulled a bit in the Tampa series. They had that big – outburst in the game one against Tampa and then they went on several game stretch where they just couldn't get offense together. Snapped out of it in game five. The Yankees' options are interesting because they haven't set their rotation like they did for the division series yet. So you could um, envision a world where, say, Masahiro Tanaka gets a game one start, pair him up against Greinke, give him that road start, and rely on him being your best postseason pitcher over the last several years, try to get him through it and then line up, say, James Paxton for Game 3, tout Severino out again in the road, and try to build around him. So how would you, how would you build? Uh, because I, I, I'm really stressing pitching, if you haven't noticed, because I think it's a massive part to postseason wins. If you were the Yankee manager, if you were Aaron Boone, how would you structure the rotation uh, in this series? Game 1, you get who. Game 2, you get who. Game 3, you get who. Yeah, I, I, I think you would go Tanaka, Severino, Paxton, or some, some variation with Tanaka leading off. I think he has been your most consistent starter. He's the guy that will perform in high-pressure situations, and he's the guy you want versing an, another beatable pitcher in Greinke. I mean, obviously he's a great talent in his own right, but he's probably the best matchup the Yankees have out of the Astros starters. So you want to match strength on strength and get that road win. Try to neutralize home field advantage as quick as possible. Now, all that said, Ryan, who do you like in the series? Oh, man. I know I stressed home field advantage when we talked about this several weeks ago. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. I think, I think the Yankees have a decent shot at neutralizing it. I think they can come away with a split in Houston. If it comes to that, this Astros team while supremely talented, is very much still a very different team on the road. I think the Yankees' chances are better in this series than the odds will give them, and I would still take them. So uh, you would still take the Yankees. Is it fair for me to say, because I was telling this to Matt off-air, is it fair for me to say that the team that wins the first road game wins this series? I think it's a fair shot at that, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Because I, And the Astros are going to be really tough at home, 60-21 and 21 at home this year. They've been absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and last year, I, uh, what was it? I think it was last year, right? Well, it was last year or two years ago? Uh, no, last year. The, whole, uh, the home team won every game in that series. So I, I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting matchup. Now, your World Series matchup is Yankees-Cardinals, by what you're telling me, which was my pick early on. It was my pick at the beginning of the year, and it's my pick now. Uh, if it came down to a Yankees-Cardinals World Series... Who do you like in the series and why? I would definitely favor the Yankees. And I know, I know this wasn't exactly your question, but if Houston were to advance instead, I think I would favor them as well. The AL is just so stacked. And when you take the Dodgers out of the conversation already, not that the Cardinals and the Nationals aren't good teams because they produced massive upsets in the first round, but they pound for pound are at a disadvantage in almost every category, and it'll be a tough road for them. Matt, Ryan, do you, have, do you have any reservations about Yankees fans kind of having a little bit of PTSD from 2017 when they, were, when they lost to the Astros in the ALCS? I know it was seven games, but if you look at the comparative rosters from 2017 to the Yankees roster now, Encarnacion's better than Matt Holliday. LeMahieu is better than Bird or Shello over Todd Frazier. Glaber is better than Headley and Castro. Stanton's better than Ellsbury. Paxton's better than Sonny Gray was in 2017. Happ is better than Garcia. And Britain's better than Warren. So I think right now Yankees fans are, are reasonably cautious because this Astros team is a lot better. But at the same time, this Yankees team is a lot better. Do you think it's fair that Yankees fans are kind of, including myself, I'm a, little, I'm a little scared and a little bit kind of shook still from what happened in 2017. Even with a even with a better Astros team this year, yeah, I think there's been so much turnover on this Yankees team, and there has been a lot of improvement on Houston. You talk about Garrett Cole, you talk about Jordan Alvarez, a lot of pieces that both of these teams have improved on has just functionally made them superior to both versions that we last saw them in. I, I think this is a totally different series. I, I think you see a lot more back and forth whether that results in the end of the game score being different, whether you see some road upsets, um, not totally certain. I, I would give the Yankees the advantage, like I said early, but I, I think this is a much, a much closer version of these two teams than we saw last time. Could you imagine? Last time the Yankees were significant underdogs and deserved to be that way. This team is a juggernaut. The Astros are a juggernaut. It should be fun to watch. <laughs> and in, in 2017, we were almost considered on the verge of a rebuild. So it's, it's difficult to kind of compare. But could you imagine if the Astros kept Charlie Morton, if they didn't let him walk? you imagine what that oh team would be God. like now? Dude, they the lost him for $15 million a Dude, year. They the, lost him for chump. The last time that Garrett Cole struck out less than 10 batters was August 1st. That's ridiculous. It's insane. That is ridiculous. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Dude's out of his mind. Wouldn't he be a great Yankee next year, Ryan? <laughs> uh, I don't think we're out of that conversation yet. <laughs> I, I, I get that, but it, I guess I, I do kind of want to throw that question at you. I know it's a lot to ask of you, but in your humble opinion, honestly, what are the realistic possibilities that Garrett Cole is in pinstripes next year? Because I understand that there's a lot of Yankee fans here that would love to have him, including you and me. Yeah. I... I don't see it as likely. I, I see it maybe a 10% chance. Yeah. I think that the philosophy of this organization has just been 
and it, it mirrors the Dodgers, which is built on getting to regular season success and just getting into the games. Free agency is so risky, and the amount of money that they want to tie up or that free agents want on the market, they don't want to tie up that much, regardless of the talent. And Garrett Cole is supremely talented. There are a lot of talented pitchers. You could also look at Strasburg. He may or may not opt out. I think they'll give them passes, but I don't think they'll give them the contracts that they're ultimately looking for. Yeah, you're right. I think it is a little bit risky, but this is a guy that uh, I'm pretty sure that if he got signed to a super mega contract, I'm not sure many people would be complaining. Um, All right, Ryan, last thing. So Astros, Yankees right now, I know you like the Yankees in the series. You would still give them a little bit of the edge. Who do you think would be the X factor in the series? What area do the Yankees need to take advantage of if they want to beat Houston? I would say that it comes down to whether the Yankees are able to work the pitch count like they were in the Minnesota series. They were able to get to the Twins' bullpen by the fourth or fifth inning in almost every start, and then they were able to do massive damage. Obviously, the Twins' philosophy seemed to be um, rather scared of the Yankees pitchers. They issued way too many walks to be competitive in that series. But if the Yankees are able to come close to that method, and if they're able to work the counts and maybe, say, get Houston out of their starters by the sixth or seventh inning, then they're in a good shot. Well, look at, look at what the Rays did in Game 4. They, up, they got Verlander to, what, like, they got Verlander close to 40 pitches by, like, the and they touched him up. By like, yeah, by like the third inning. Seven runs, I think, Verlander gave up that day. Yeah, so. In three or four innings. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I agree, Ryan, 100%. I think the sooner we can get Verlander and Cole, particularly, even Granky too, out of that game, the better. So we could hope our starters can hopefully outlast them. So, I mean, it's going to be. It's going to be tough, but this is going to be a great series. Like, this is going to be one. This is, in my opinion, I think this is going to be more entertaining than the World Series. Yeah, I, I was this might say, be the World Series. I in was going to say, Ryan, this is kind of representative of what the World Series. Uh, like, th- you know how, like, last year, most people viewed the NBA Finals as the Western Conference Finals last year until it was proven otherwise. But does this kind of have the same feel how, to it that the ALCS is more representative of the World Series than the World Series would be? It's probably going to be how it is this year, too. It, it, it has very good chance of being the most competitive, the most entertaining series. I would agree, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion that, yeah, maybe you guys agree that the winner of this, maybe you agree, Ryan, that the winner of this series is going to win the World Series, right? I agree. I do. So. So. All right, Ryan. Good, for, uh, good talking to you by Ryan Pavich, <laughs> Pinstripe Alley, SB Nation, writer for them, uh, covers the Yankees. He's on every Friday. Uh, Ryan, we'll talk to you next week. Good talking to you, bud. Thank you, guys. Ryan Pavich, Pinstripe Alley. Always some good Yankee insight. All right, let's go to the news with our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo. Hour number two here on a Friday. So the NFL kicks off on Sunday with uh, a London matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Buccaneers. There's something interesting about this matchup. Kyle Allen is the only quarterback in NFL history to win his first four games as a rookie. So the only one. To go four and zero in his first four starts, the only rookie. The only no way. He's the only rookie in NFL history to do that. To go four and zero his first four starts. To go four and zero his first four starts. I might believe I that. Think, wow. You know, I, I I believe that. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that's of, incredible. I think of some of the other rookies, especially recent memory: Sanchez, Flacco, Ryan, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Mahomes. Well, Mahomes wasn't even a rookie; he was a second-year guy technically last year. All right, uh, so Brady, Manning, uh, both Mannings, Far. Well, again, Far was a rookie in Atlanta. Yeah, I believe it. Absolutely. Cam Newton, not even Cam in his rookie year. Yeah, but Coach Ron Rivera gave gave Cam Newton a slim chance at playing in Week Six. But the narrative has kind of surrounded Cam Newton, especially recently, yeah. that they're better without him. I was going to say, at what point does it become appropriate to say that Kyle Allen is better than Cam Newton? I don't know about better in terms of skill, but is the team better? You know, it's it's the whole is the team better with Kyle the, Allen? It's the whole Foles Wentz kind of thing. You know, it does. Are the is is Carson is Nick Foles better than Carson Wentz? No, I don't think many people would say that he is. Yeah, right. But no, I it's get it. it's all about is the team better with Kyle Allen or with Cam Newton? The thing is with Kyle Allen, and hey, you you give credit to Kyle Allen. He's helped this, he's helped this team. Cal <laughs> since the Cardinals game, he's kind of fall, he has kind of fallen off a bit against the Texans and Jaguars. Understandable, undrafted free agent, everything. You know, you're not expecting to go on light the world on fire. With Cam, I, th- I do. Th- I still think Cam Newton, when he's healthy enough to play, he gives you the best chance to win. That's, and I think that's the key thing. I don't they, know. They got to get, get him healthy. I don't know, Evan. I might disagree with you. I, I, you got to remember, Cam Newton. I, Cam Newton, I think, has lost eight straight starts, eight straight, dating back to last year. So. And then Kyle Allen comes in because people got to remember Carolina's talented. They've got players. They have a top ten defense. McCaffrey's, a great defense. McCaffrey's arguably the best running back in football. I don't even right think now. it's arguable. I think McCaffrey's the best running back in the league. He and, might be the MVP. And I and, and he's stepped up. McCaffrey over the last couple of weeks, he's really stepped up. And it ain't like they don't have receivers too. Carolina's got receivers: Curtis Samuel, DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Greg Olson. They Greg, can, Greg Olson. Mean, you can make an argument that he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, you can make I a mean, case. And to be honest with you, I think the one, I think the weakness that they have is I think they could, they could improve in their secondary a little bit, and I also think that they can improve on the offensive line a little bit. But right, well, Kyle Allen's coming in here and winning football games. Right. I mean, keep this in mind. Like, and it, it isn't just like weak defenses. Arizona's a weak defense, but at Houston's a tough game, and then home against the Jaguars. The, uh, listen, the Jags' defense is good. Say what you want. Kyle Allen's doing work for Carolina right now. And despite everything that's been happening in Jacksonville, they have playmakers everywhere. On everywhere. That. There's no holes. Maybe the secondary a little bit, but, I mean, they still have... When, when Ramsey's on the field, it's the best cornerback tandem in football. And they killed the draft, too. Brian Burns is a hell of a rookie. Brian that Burns kid is, can he play. Might be, He's he, a hell of a pass He rusher. might be defensive rookie of the year right now. Right now, it looks like he is. Signed, I think he's fantastic. Signed, signed Gerald McCoy in the offseason, too. Yeah, I mean, and their front seven was already loaded. Kwan Keekly, Short. Keekly, Shaq Thompson. Kwan uh, Short. Kwan Short, yeah. yeah. I mean, they've got players up there. They really do. Good for Cal. No, really. I mean, it's it's, it's very it's very interesting to see that that's gonna be a nine that's gonna be a nine thirty a.m. game from from London. Yeah, so, sorry, Matt. I'll be up at nine thirty so, in the morning watching that football game. Will you? No, I won't be. For a Bucks, uh, you know what? Panthers I actually game? I actually won't be there. I umpire on the weekend, so I gotta for I gotta a for a, a Kyle Allen Jameis Winston matchup. I will get up and watch Cal. Cal. Cal, sorry, sorry, Matt. You're in the middle of Cal. You're in the middle yeah. of a South. No, Park we refer to Kyle. Kyle Allen as Cal. Cal. I like him. He's doing like a great a job, that Cam. Cam. <laughs> All right, so after the, after the Dodgers mm. beat the Nationals, I mean, after the Nationals beat the Dodgers, 
we have to look at a lot of things that surrounded kind of the Nationals' road to get here. It's a lot of a lot of a lot of unexpectedness, yeah. a lot of triumph, and I think right now, if you took a straw poll across America for baseball fans, who would you rather have as your young franchise player? Would you rather have Glaber Torres or Juan Soto? Oh, that's good. That's, See, I, uh, that's you know such a good question. That's such a great question. I think you would find an even split. I, I love both of them. I love Torres. He's a star. I they love are both Soto. Superstar. Soto I mean. to me has, with Bryce Harper leaving, Soto has taken over as like the top everyday player superstar for the for the oh, Nationals. The Nationals are better without Bryce Harper, which I think says a lot. And uh, first of all, I think that hurts future free agent contracts because. The, the Phillies paid all this money for Bryce Harper. They didn't make the playoffs. They were fourth place in their division. Um, oh, my God. That's a really good question. Should've, I might. Should have saved that for Friday. I would. Friday. Well, here's the thing. Glaber Torres is 22. Juan Soto's 20. Soto, I think. I, hit, Soto hit, what, like 34 home runs I'd this year? hate to yeah. say it, but I'd probably take Juan Soto. Soto. I would probably take Juan Soto. It's but tough. It is really tough. Mm. Because Soto's I think younger Gla- than I think, us. Soto's I think, younger than us. Yep. I know. Yep. I know. Glaber Torres is younger than me. Glaber Torres, they're both younger than me. I mean, I, I, they're younger than Evan, too. Torres, but, I, I, that's tough. All of them. Yeah, I, I mean, but God, but I, I I know for a fact that Glaber Torres is going to be a megastar in this MVP. league. They're both they're both they're going to be, be perennial MVP candidates yeah, every single MVP year. Candidates. Uh, but as of right now, Soto's younger. Uh, his batting average is better. His on base percentage is better. He's driving in more runs. And I, and I think Evan. I, I would probably take right now Juan Soto as much as it. Pains me to say it. I love I, I, because it is close, man. I Holy agree bro. that Evan. I agree with the point Evan brought up before. I think I think Soto being on the Nationals, you know, in, in an offseason where their superstar left, one of the you know one of the top ten players in baseball, and as compared to being on the Yankees with you know five, five or six other people that can hit over thirty home runs with with Encarnacion and Sanchez and Judge and Stanton and all those guys, I think it is it is fair to consider that where they are in their positions and where they are, like, locationally. Like, historically with the Yankees and historically with the Nationals could not really be yeah. different ends of the spectrum. Right. So, I mean, it's 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 not everything, but it's definitely something to be considered. But, hey, yeah. if, but hey, if I had yeah. an opening at second base, an opening in right field, I'm certainly taking those guys on my team. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah I, I it mean, depends on positional need, too, I guess. But if you were just starting blank slate, I I think it is really hard to argue against Juan Soto. I mean, he's twenty years old, man. He's twenty years old. He's twenty, and he's doing. And he didn't just homer off Kershaw. He took him. Yeah, oh, that was the that was a bomb. That, that was his career long for a home run. It what was, was it, like yeah. four hundred and twenty one feet. It was a like bomb. He took. I mean, he took Kershaw Bridge, and it was like like Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. It was massive. And you knew it was gone. Run. You knew it was gone as soon as he hit it. Oh Susie my God! Could, it you, was a could you make a case? Homer. Could you make a case that Anthony Rendon is the most underrated player in baseball? He might. He's up there for the MVP uh, conversation. Yeah, you, you could. I was never an Anthony Rendon guy, but God, he's proven me wrong. He's gonna get paid. I was never an Anthony Rendon guy, but he's really good. Hey Rendon, he's really good. Hey Rendon, meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. You want to play third base for the New York Mets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's gonna go to New York, and his career's gonna die, <laughs> like everyone else. Yeah, seriously. 
I got Jason Bay when he was an MVP candidate, and he turned into a nobody. You know, you know, Jason Bay didn't handle that. Jason Bay still has that great, great story that you told me when when I first met you. Just a fan. That was great. That was that was that was a funny story. All right, what's next, man? So the last thing here is uh, sticking actually with the Bryce Harper thing. So the Phillies actually relieved their manager Gabe Kapler after they finished eighty-one and eighty-one, which is fourth in their division, after giving Bryce Harper that thirteen-year whatever it was thirteen-year three hundred plus million dollar contract. Yeah. Does this kind of distinguish the? Na- does this kind of extinguish extinguish the narrative that major contracts don't necessarily? get you to where you want to go because the four highest paid contracts in this season they all missed the playoffs Trout, Arenado, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper yeah you know that's a really interesting point is it the is it the wrong way to approach things do you think one superstar well, contract because listen there, there there's baseball money is different I think we all know that yeah like it started in the early 2000s with with Alex Rodriguez, and then we saw Stanton get the contract, and oh then now, now it's becoming like commonplace. Now we're going to see it was there was four this year. And the size of Garrett Cole's contract is going to be ridiculous. Exactly, and there's I, I mean, I'm saying, and that's that's what I'm saying. There's only going to be more. So I mean, I I, I fear that this is a, uh, a a trend that baseball is going into that is going to be detrimental to a lot of teams. Yeah, I. You know, it's so hard to say because Bryce Harper's a great player. Like, there's no doubt about it. Even though, like, we would probably consider this year a little bit of a down year for him. I mean, he had a career high in RBIs and, a career, and 35 home runs this year. He had 35 and 114. Like, he put up numbers this year. It's well, just okay. So look at, but look at DJ. Look at a guy like DJ LeMahieu, a two-year 24. Oh, DJ LeMahieu, a two-year 24 yeah. million dollar guy. Oh well, here's my thing, Matt. I I, I think that you're right. That it's like it could be detrimental in certain aspects because I, I I am a true believer that you build your roster based on homegrown talent. You draft well, you go into the international signing pool, and you build your team that way. And then you sprinkle some low and free agents, and then maybe you spend what was, one, what you was spend Bryce big Harper's, money on a couple of really what big was guys. Ha- what was Bryce Harper's war? Bryce Harper's this war this, this season? year. Yeah. Was his overall war was four point two. You want to know what DJ Lemayhews was? What? It's a six point oh. It's wow. a six point oh war with twenty six home runs, a three twenty seven average, and a hundred and a hundred and two RBIs. Well, that deal was made. So by are the you Yankees. ready for this? Well, yeah, but okay, that deal so, was made. That was a really underrated. So that, that's good my signing. point. So that that's was my a very good signing. So that's my point. You could argue that was the best. You can argue that was the best signing in baseball. That that, that had to be the best offseason acquisition I, yeah, in baseball. Yeah, yeah, it, it, would, na- it was. Name me, really name great. me someone who has been such a steady source of production and. Just a steady source of production for their team, other than DJ LeMahieu to the Yankees. With all the guys, with all the guys you look at in New York this season that that have that have just balled, barring injuries, barring everything, the most pe- the most players on an IR in in the history of baseball. Well, there are two guys, Michael Brantley, that I think are year. close. That I think are close. One of them is Michael Brantley, and the second one is Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt, I would say, because, is another one. But but also because but Goldschmidt struggled early in the year. Yeah, exactly. He didn't have the, the consistency. Card- the Cardinals didn't look like the team that everyone thought they were going to be at one point in the season. Now they're in the NLCS. Right. So, I mean, there are a lot of people that you could make the argument for, but I'm just saying that big contracts are potentially detrimental to baseball when 
the team itself has other needs it doesn't address. Right. Another, another cheap, con- another contract that really worked out for the Braves was uh, Josh Donaldson, Atlanta. That was right. a one-year deal. That was a great yes. contract. That was, that, that was, that was, that was a low-risk, high-reward signing. And oh, and it paid off. It paid I, off big time. He, he played had, great. Had, and I think he's going to go back to Atlanta we'll see. because he's he's uh, they love him there, and I think he loves that city. He loves that city. He loves that franchise. He, I think good Josh fit. Donaldson wants to be a Brave, and I think it's a great fit. And the but, Braves have the Braves have a very good bright future ahead. No, they do a lot of good young they talent. Do. I do want to say this though too. Bringing up Bryce Harper, this is an interesting number. So his overall WAR is a four point two. His offensive WAR was three point four. Okay. His defensive WAR was point two. Oh, okay. See, that's 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 where it he separates. was defensively inept. I mean, that's that's something crazy considering he has a very very good offense. but I think I think the point that's yeah, worth you can, bringing you up though talk about like okay so so Bryce Harper was a point two defensive war I think I can honestly only imagine just from what I've seen the only person with the worst work would be like JD Martinez in terms of an outfielder I barely plays defense though I mean so that's I see. something he's at DH but I I, I do want to say that Bryce Harper signing as a um Bryce Harper signing this massive contract, that's going to steer people away from doing stuff like that. I think Matt's right. Bryce Harper signed this gigantic contract with the Phillies. They didn't make the playoffs. And it could, honestly, that's a franchise-crippling contract, potentially. So, something to be said about that. All right. That's the news. Big J journalist Matt Catarizzolo on a Friday. Hour three. We're heading deep in hour number three. Coming up next, my takeaway yesterday had nothing to do with Daniel Jones, but had everything to do with how we criticize Tom Brady. I'll tell you what I mean next. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Worldwide Sports Radio presents The, 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 the Haystack Show. With Mike Guido. Hour three. It's the Haystack on a Friday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you in. Mike Guido, Evan Mazza, my producer. Matt Catarazzolo, Big J journalist. Good to have you in TGIF. It's been a long week. Really has been. A really busy week. Um, a lot of football this week, and we're going to make picks this hour. Friday athlete deathmatch. Uh, I know Matt can't wait for that. You wait. We even like prefaced it a little bit. Oh, by the way, Evan, we uh, we forgot to bring this up for uh, with you uh, over the break. We got to do reporters and stuff like that too. Oh my god! Right. Anyway, so we. Right. Right. Anyway, so like. <laughs> Thanks, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get into this. The Patriots won last night on Thursday Night Football, and I'm pretty sure we all saw that coming. Uh, 35-14 final score was exactly what, he, what we thought it would be. Even though we knew what the outcome would be, I thought we had an interesting matchup of quarterbacks. Tom Brady, Daniel Jones, that you had the, you know, the, the older veteran, uh, everybody thinks he's the GOAT in Daniel Jones, I- I'm kidding, in Tom Brady, and then the young kid that's replacing Eli, the young promising quarterback in Daniel Jones. So I still think we had an interesting matchup. Now, I spent a lot of time yesterday talking about how Daniel Jones, uh, talking about Daniel Jones and the, and the Giants game plan. I thought they were going to, they were just 
supposed to air it out. Uh, you didn't have any receivers. You had no Shepard, no Engram, no Barkley, no Wayne Gallman. What did you have to lose? You were playing the best team in the uh, best team in the league in their own building. It, just uh, I wanted that. I wanted them to throw the ball deep 10, 12 times. Just see Daniel. See what Daniel Jones could do. Well, he did have right? a six, He did have like a sixty-six yard touchdown. To no, yeah. And, and look, I, I'm happy nice with throw. what they did. I, I would have liked nice to see a little Golden. bit more. That was a nice play by Golden Tate. That was a nice play by Golden Tate. Yeah. But Pat Shermer, I think, did the right thing. He did let him air it out a little bit. Um, but my takeaway was actually not from Daniel Jones. It was from Tom Brady. Did we notice that Brady didn't throw a touchdown pass last night against that Giants defense? Let me ask a question. Why are we so hesitant to criticize Tom Brady? I get that he's great and most think he's the GOAT and all that stuff. But why don't we ever really look at what he does? We just look at the wins and, that, and that's enough for us when it isn't for anybody else. Have you ever noticed that? Quarterbacks in the league... We always look at them and say, oh, well, it's not, it's not just, you know, the fact that you win. It's how you win. <laughs> Dak, he, he played bad teams this year. But when we look at Brady, it's always just like, oh, <laughs> there you go, Tom. It's perfect. Now, I've been a really harsh critic of Dak Prescott at times, and especially recently. I just got off on this big rant that I wouldn't be upset if Dallas drafted a new quarterback. I'm very up and down on Dak, and I've been a very harsh critic. Dak is 35-18 and 18 in his career. He's 3-2 and two this year. He's played well and won against the Giants, Redskins, and Dolphins. And he's played poorly and lost to the Saints and the Packers. Our takeaway has been, understandably so, well, he's, he's only good against bad teams. He can't win against good teams, and... He plays inferior when he is inferior and all of that stuff. Isn't that Brady this year? Brady's undefeated, 6-0 and this year. Undefeated. Everyone is globbing over how, oh, he's the GOAT. That, that's Tom. He's always winning. <laughs> oh, Tom. We just, same old, same old, always a winner. So when it comes to Tom Brady... We choose to ignore the fact that his wins came against the Steelers, Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Redskins, and now Giants. And people will say, Mike, hey, come on. Give the guy a break. The the Bills' defense, they're good. They got like a top three defense. The Bills are great. Agreed. And you realize Tom had the worst game he's ever had in 13 years in that game. He was 18 of 39 and threw no touchdowns. And he threw a pick. He was awful in that game against Buffalo. So we see Steelers, no secondary. Dolphins, worst team in football. Jets, no Sam Darnold, Luke Falk at quarterback. Bills, great defense, played terrible. Redskins, terrible defense, uh, defensive, uh, a dysfunctional organization, Colt McCoy at quarterback. And now the New York Giants, one of the worst defenses in the entire NFL. What am I missing here? I'm not telling you Tom Brady isn't great. I'm not even telling you that he's overrated. I'm not telling you that. But I am telling you that we're a lot softer on Tom Brady than everyone else. He's painted as a winner, and I get it. And it's because he's won, and won a lot. But we've gotten to the point where his wins are all the same when they're not. Tom Brady didn't play well last night. 
didn't throw a touchdown pass, and whenever he threw the ball downfield, it was in real danger of getting picked, and one of them did. What I see from Brady today is a guy who's actually digressing. I'm not saying that because of his age and how he eventually has got to calm down, but watch him play. He's less accurate, especially downfield. His fastball is a little bit slower. Belichick is having him dump off a lot more than usual. Have you noticed that? Brady is getting protected. He's protected in the Patriots system this year more than usual. Wouldn't it be crazy, like crazy awesome, if somehow the Niners win the NFC and see the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Garoppolo and Brady Super Bowl? That'd be a great story. That is every Patriots... Every fan who hates the Patriots, that's like their biggest Wouldn't dream. Wouldn't that be bananas? That's their biggest dream. To that see would the, be sick. To see the 49ers, the team that traded Garoppolo and got, a, got him for a second-round pick and beat Brady in the Super Bowl. Like, that's like, I don't my, think that my would brother, be like, My brother is a big Jets fan. He's like, he's like that's like no, the one thing I want to see. That's like nightmare. the one thing I want to see. That would be their nightmare because <laughs> they're just, we let this guy go. He was going to be the heir to Brady. They'd be pissed about that. that no, the Patriots would be. Great... T- no, the Patriots would be ticked about. But like every other fan would be oh like, my would God. be like, oh my God, this is great. Pitch in the <laughs> rear end. It's possible. Let's not pretend like it isn't possible. But the Patriots, they might be six and zero, oh, but against bad teams, and all these wins aren't the same. I see the digression from Tom, but we choose to ignore it because of what he's done, not what he's doing. It's hard sometimes to look at the to look at a regression again. He's thrown a thousand seven hundred forty three yards this year. He has a sixty five completion percentage, ten touchdowns, three picks. He has over a ninety seven passer rating. He's still playing very well, even for you know his age and everything. And yeah, the competition. I get it. Been, but the competition has been great. Fine, that's fine. But if that's the case, you know, I, I'll bring him up. Baker Mayfield struggled very much this year. His three losses have come against a Forty ers good pass rush, a Titans good defense, and the. Um, uh, the Rams, who have a good pr- pass front seven, and yet we talk about Baker struggling, which is very true, and that's fair. With Tom Brady, though, but again, with Tom Brady, he's still putting up pretty good numbers, and he's still showing that. Against bad defenses, but then, but, again, when he pl- but then when he played a good defense, he had the worst game he's had in 15 years. Okay, but well, you, I mean, he had a bad day against Buffalo, but we, we kind of figured it's the Bills. They know him for 20 years, but he has, beat, he has played very well against the Bills time and time again for 20 years. He can have a bad game against them, face them again in Foxborough, and play very well against them. You know, uh, look, I'm not, not taking many... away that possibility. I'm just saying what I've seen so far, okay, and I was telling you this before, what I have seen so far is if we're going to criticize guys like Dak Prescott, and like I said, I've been a really harsh critic of Dak. I'm a Cowboy fan, Matt. I've been really harsh on Dak. At, so is everybody. I, Listen, I've Dak, been Dak really is, harsh on Dak. Dak right now is probably the most criticized and difficult quarterback in the league because he's difficult quarterback in the league to evaluate because you could you don't see, know what he is exactly week week one he you're like uh, week one you could say like oh jerry's got to pay him now right now you see a 300 yard four touchdowns a perfect passer rating get this man his money now you look at him against the packers you're like uh, oh okay and uh the cowboys do not have an easy schedule they got they got no, they don't. at Chicago, Philly, Patriots. Minnesota, Patriots, Houston. They're going to play some tough defense. They're going to play some pretty they're gonna damn play good some tough defense. They're going to go to they're going to go to Chicago, 9 degrees, Soldier I know. Field. I know that's it's going to be bad. That's not going to be an easy game. I know it's it really is going to be bad. But what I'm saying is if we're criticizing Dak for saying ah, he's uh look, it, this year he's looked great against bad teams, but 
Against good teams, he really struggled. Well, well, that, that's the same thing with Brady. This, this year, it's the same thing with Brady. Well, look at, look at what we saw when, the, when the, the Patriots acquired Antonio Brown. We were saying, oh, this is, the best, this is the best offensive arsenal he's had since, you know, he had Randy Moss. Oh, seven. Exactly. But now, no more A.B. Josh Gordon just got hurt last night. No more night. Gronk. No more Gronk. Edelman, Edelman's your number one option. You still have Dorsett. And Burkhead got hurt. Right. So now, really, you, you can only rely on about Right. I, I, I get to admit the fact the... that he's adjusting. I just, from and, what I've seen so far, and, and this and that's is from what of... I see, I see Brady getting in a lot more trouble whenever he tries to extend plays, whenever he tries to extend plays well, past 20 a, yards. Brady's not an extender. He's a smooth, uh, what I've always been impressed about Brady. But what, in well, the what pocket, seen, he's, so, he's so smooth in the there's pocket. Never been, there's never been the argument that Brady has been able to extend plays with because he's not mobile you know he's not he's yeah he's like he's not I mean mobile. we criticize guy like we criticized Mason Rudolph right when he come in the win against the Bengals when he went like 24 of 28 right 14 it was like 14 or 16 of those throws were to your running back right only a couple of those throws made it past the line of scrimmage that's Brady's whole offense. That, that's it right there. Well, I mean, listen, why can't we criticize Brady the same that, the same way we do other quarterbacks? Well, look, you see, like if you talk about checkdowns and how that can up your completion percentage, take a look at last year with Eli Manning. How many? How? How? What? What? Well, they chunk, gave Saquon Barkley the what, ball. Exactly. What chunk of his p- completion percentage was were checkdowns to Saquon? Right. And how much did we criticize Eli? Eli's done. He was the most criticized athlete. And he was the most criticized football player right. last year. So now, so do you you see my point. Is criticize Eli, criticize Dak, criticize Mason Rudolph, and criticize all the other, all these other Look, quarterbacks. I'll meet, you, I'll meet you halfway. I do agree that not Brady. I do agree that we are unfair when we criticize Brady. But I will also say that not every athlete is subjected to the same type of criticism based on yes, achievements, success, uh, situational stuff. Like you know, so you can't you can't criticize. I, I don't know you. You can't criticize Josh Rosen for having a bad game the same way you criticize Brady for having a bad game. You look at situations, you look at opponents, you look sure. at track records. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I get that Brady should be criticized, mm-hmm. but I do agree with the notion that there are levels to criticism. Like there are different types of criticism, and different people should be criticized specifically based on their own individual. Achievements yeah. and track record. And I mean, it, stuff it just like seems like we avoid it. It seems like most people oh, avoid it. Listen, We're I'm just not, like hey, Brady that, has gotten though. Brady has gotten his fair share, Chris, in the last couple of years when the Patriots got off to slow starts. When you again, when we think, well, okay, this is good, but the year Brady falls off the cliff. We mentioned his weapons. Sometimes you know he didn't really get Josh Gordon until midway through last year, and then and then unfortunately Gordon got suspended again. They lost him for the rest of the year into the postseason, <clears> and yet time and time again. Brady just can, when we question Brady, we think he's done. When the Cliff argument comes up, he he time and time again he proves everyone wrong. He's able to continue to adjust to whatever happens around him, and that's a big credit. And that's a big credit to him. That's a big credit to Belichick. Look, Tom, Tom that's Brady, a big credit to Tom yeah. Brady and LeBron are anomalies when it comes to age. See, like we, we, we there's been there's never been a player, you know, seventeen years into their respective sport where they're still considered the best the if not one of the best i mean i, I don't think i i think the 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 narrative right now that lebron is the best in the game right now is kind of suppressing because of Giannis and Kawhi and Giannis Anthony Kawhi Davis. Curry KD Anthony Davis Durant. KD there's 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 a bunch of people yeah, that I yeah, think there's a lot of guys that you, you could, could make say, a legitimate yeah. argument that they are <laughs> Zion. That, yeah, exactly that lebron is not 
that is, well, he's not the best in the game right now. There are not many people that you could say. There, listen, there are quarterbacks right now that are playing better than Brady. Russell Wilson is my MVP right now. Russell Wilson probably playing, is. Yeah. Russell Wilson's playing out of his mind. Yeah. I think statistically, Lamar Jackson is still playing better, even even how he had two corner games. Yeah. Pretty close. Mahomes, you know, still Mahomes Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers having a great year. Exactly. So, there, you know, there's, there's more things and more factors that we need to consider when we approach criticizing. No, I, I agree with you. Criticizing Brady. I agree with you. All right. Uh, coming up next, got to make picks, news, Friday athlete deathmatch in that order. Hell yes. That's coming up next. Fit it in in the next half hour. Motor and throw it. It's coming up next. Hour number three. Haystack, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Good to have you in. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Mike, Evan, Matt here on a Friday. Uh, all right, so still plenty to go over today. We got about a half hour. So, Evan, let's make picks week six. Here uh, we go. What do we got? Let's do it. Game week one. Week six picks. I like that. Game one. Don't forget about Monica's pick this week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. I got it. See, <laughs> week, two, week two of doing this, I, I will get this. So first game of the week, Panthers at the Bucks. Uh, Panthers by two in this one. Uh, Monica has the Carolina Panthers in this one. No, I'm sorry. She has Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this one. She also had the pass mm. yesterday. So Panthers at the Bucks. Uh, I am going to go with. Oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to say they even out. I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think that offense in Tampa Bay, uh, they have a lot of firepower, and I think Carolina's secondary is going to struggle. Kyle Allen has played good Cal, um, but I do like Tampa Bay in this matchup. I think that's the big key matchup is the Tampa Bay passing game with Winston and those receivers against Carolina's secondary. I think that's going to be the bugaboo right there. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. 27 to 21 over Carolina. Maddie? You know, he's right. It evens out. But right now, I think I'm going to give the slight edge. This, I'm going to give the slight edge to Carolina because even though, yeah, even though that Tampa Bay's offense is a lot of firepower, God, Chris Godwin has been Phenomenal. incredible this season. Oh, my God. Okay, Chris Godwin's been incredible. Uh, Shaq Barrett on that Tampa Bay coming off the edge. Shaq Barrett has been incredibly good. But, you know, who's been better than both of them is is Christian McCaffrey, and I think he's going to run wild. And I'm going to give this one 24-20 Carolina. What do you like, Ev? So, uh, Guido, you're on Carolina too, Mike? Just want to make sure? I'm on Tampa. You're on Tampa. I'm on Tampa. I am actually going to take the Buccaneers in this one too. I kind of smell a little bit of an upset here at home. I think I like like their offense against Panthers secondary. McCaffrey I'm looking at too. Maybe have a big day against the Bucs defense, but at home I think they can hold them off. I'll say Tampa barely 23-21. I think, again, Kyle Allen has kind of looked, you know, again, he's an undrafted free agent quarterback. Hasn't really played that well the last two weeks. On the road, I'll say the Bucks in this one. Seahawks, cow. Big one in Cleveland. Seahawks at the Browns. Seattle by two in this one. You know, I, I see a lot of... Uh, the, I, I mean, the bounce-back narrative is, is real. I think that's that's a very 
a very real thing, and if there's anybody in this league that plays better when they're angry and when they're doubted, I think it's Baker Mayfield. Yeah. But at the same time, Russell Wilson is playing out of his mind right now, and... It's a good game. What's the deal with, with Cleveland's secondary? Are Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward going to play? Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward I don't think are playing. They don't think are playing? Okay, then, I mean, listen, if they were healthy, I would... I would... I'd, be, I'd consider it, but... I don't know. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Seahawks win twenty eight to sixteen. Yeah, I'm gonna take Seattle too. Seahawks. I see Seahawks by a point and a half on the road. Uh, I think Russell Wilson right now is the MVP of the league. I agree with you. Uh, and Seattle just looks good. They really do. What Russell Wilson does with kind of limited talent. Plus, they Seattle has a thing. They've got a, a couple of physical big receivers, and then a bunch of little nifty guys. Tyler Lockett, David Moore, and then DK Metcalf. Uh, so, I think Cleveland secondary is going to struggle. I think the Seattle pass rush is going to have a field day on that Cleveland offensive line. Uh, I'm going to take Seattle, but I, I think it's going to be close. I'm going to take Seattle. Uh, I'm, I, I'll go 30-27 over the Browns. What happens? What what kind of narr- what kind of stories do we see emerging after? Baker Mayfield and the Browns potentially lose another game, and they fall to two and four. It's going to get pretty ugly. Get but bad, it depends right? on if Baker plays well. Baker plays well and they lose, it probably suppresses it for a little bit. But if he plays poorly again, that's going to be bad news for what him. Hap- what happens when Odell Beckham Jr. only gets three targets and two catches? Yeah. <laughs> again, what happens there? Oh, boy. It's not going to be I, good. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun week for me and Cowherd, man. I'm telling you that. Do you think it's going to be time for Cleveland to panic if they lose nah. this game? No, 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 no. It's not time to panic yet, but... You know, I would get concerned. All right, Evan, who do you like? Uh, I, I'm tempted. And to who take does Monica like? Monica has Seattle in this one. I this can go either way because I got you know, Seattle has offensive line problems. Cleveland has offensive line problems. The Browns secondary they've been able they've been with able to withhold uh, uh, the, their problems in the secondary. They've been able to kind of stamp. Been, they've been able to kind of uh, withhold there. I will take the Browns at home with the. I think they will lean on Nick Chubb in the running game. I think they're going to be a little bit upset and angry at themselves for getting blown out by San Francisco on Monday night. They come back home after a two-game road trip. I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle won this game, but I will say 27-26, one point for the Cleveland Browns at home. Monica has the the Seahawks. This is another big one. In Kansas City, Texans at the Chiefs. The Chiefs by four at home in Cleveland. Look at a bounce back from their loss over the Colts on Sunday night. I am... (sighs) Uh, here's my here's my deal. I am gonna go with Kansas City, and I'm actually gonna take Kansas City pretty big. I, and it, it it's it's gonna be surprising because I, I really do like Houston, and I think Houston's probably the favorite to win the uh, the AFC South. But I think that Kansas City, after struggling against Indianapolis at Arrowhead, again, it's due for that bounce back theory. I would be very surprised if Kansas City didn't put up mega points against Houston this week. Plus, Houston's secondary is not very good, and Patrick Mahomes, well, he's he's Patrick Mahomes. It's a really high-flying offense. I am going to take the Chiefs 36-24 to 24 over Houston. What's the situation with, uh, do we have any updates on Tyreek Hill? He might play. I think he's playing. He's I playing. Think he, he returned to Ooh. practice this week, so I think he is playing. Okay. I like yeah. Op- yeah, they said he will be clear. There is op- uh, Ian Rappaport says they're in- they are optimistic he will play. He'll wow. be clear to play. Wow. Okay, so that's big. So okay, listen, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes were picked two picks apart 
in 2017. So this is gonna be a this is gonna be a great quarterback matchup. Oh, I'm so excited this for this. Be, this is this is probably I think this is my game of the week. I like this. I like this, this is game. A fantastic. I like this game. game a lot, but I'm gonna give. I, I'm I'm still gonna give the slight edge to Kansas City. I'm gonna say Kansas City. Thirty-one. Thirty-one twenty-eight. Thirty-one wow. twenty-eight. Kansas City. Keeping it close. Keeping it close game. Monica. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, Monica has the uh, Houston Texans in this game. Wow. Kansas City, okay, they're back home after a tough loss. The Texans have a very good pass rush. Looking to maybe get after Pat Mahomes. Both second, both but the Chiefs defense as a whole is a problem. The Texans secondary is a problem. I am going to take the Chiefs at home in a high-scoring game, 33-30. I think Mahomes and Watson both have big days. I could see Mahomes be getting under pressure by the Texans' pass rush, but I think just enough at home to get the advantage. 33-30, Kansas City. This was almost one of my for-sure four picks because I think Kansas City is going to... It's Kansas City minus five at home. Uh, I almost took Kansas City to take the points because that's... uh, I I think they're going to put up points this week. Really. All right, what's next? Well, here we go. Washington Washington and the Dolphins in Miami. Three and a half. Who's starting the Redskins in that game? Washington is favored by three and a half. Uh, Let me see. Is it is it Case Keenum? I see Colt McCoy, but I'm is it not, Colt McCoy? It, I I see Colt McCoy, but that's what I see. Yeah, Case Keenum to get the start. Case Keenum yesterday. will start. Wow. All right, so I like I said, I what am about, going to take Miami. What about Terry McLaurin? Is Terry McLaurin playing? I don't know. May, uh, I you know what? I don't think so. I don't think so. But either way, I am actually going to take the Miami Dolphins. I think this is the. This is the game where they get the win. Washington is in massive dysfunction right now. Jay Gruden just got fired. I I think that their front office is in serious, serious turmoil. I don't think the focus is on football right now. I think it's going to be a lot of time adjusting. They're going to have trouble scoring points. I am going to take the Miami Dolphins. Ugly, ugly game. I'm going to take Miami 16-9 over the Washington Redskins. <laughs> Nail-biter, isn't it? There will be one touchdown in this game. Who scores Miami it? will score it. It'll be uh, field goal, touchdown, field goal, field goal, and then Washington will go field goal, field goal, field goal. Who do you think scores the touchdown for Miami? Uh, I am going to go Ready? Preston Williams. I was just, just going to say Preston Williams. I like Watch him. Out for He's him. pretty He's good. good. He's good. He's pretty good. Watch out for him. Who do you like, Matt? <laughs> does, any, does anyone like anyone in this one? But if I had to say, yeah, I... I I'd say, listen, Miami, Miami's tanking, okay, but they have a plan, okay? Washington yeah. is in yeah, yeah, shambles. Yeah, yeah. It's a disastrous situation from top to bottom. You know, the roster, is, the roster is bad. There's no direction from the front office. Dan Snyder is the worst owner in the NFL. Yeah, he's, that's bad. I mean, I feel like Miami at least kind of has their heads on straight. I'm going to give the slight advantage to Miami. Wow, 16-9, that's a good one. I'm going to give a similar one. I'm going to say I'm going to say 14-10 Miami. What do you like, Ev? Oh, boy. This game is going to be gross. Oh. All right, I will take Washington in this game because I just because I think Keenum can give him just enough as a veteran quarterback more so than Colt McCoy could. I'm so tempted to take the Dolphins here, but I'm going to take Washington here. Who does Monica like? 13-10. She has the Miami Dolphins in this one. Uh, next game, 
good one. Eagles at the Vikings. Vi- That's Eagles a game. by three and a half. A Vikings, excuse me, favored by three and a half at home. Monica has the Minnesota Vikings to win this one. Uh, I, I, I think I agree with her. I think I'm going to take Minnesota two at home. Minnesota's pretty good at home, and I think that the Vikings passing game is kind of riding a little bit of a high. Kirk Cousins had a good game last week, and Philadelphia, despite that, the fact they have a good uh, pass rush. Their pass defense has really struggled so far this year. And Minnesota has a great set of wide receivers with Diggs and Thielen. So I'm going to say I'll take Minnesota. It will be close, but I'm going to take Minnesota 24-23 to over the Eagles. I agree. I, I do take the Vikings in this one, and you're, uh, you're right. Kirk Cousins had a career game against the Giants. They get like 300... 303 yards, something like that, like four touchdowns. It was great. I think I think the, the chemistry between, between him and the wide receiver core is kind of rekindling a little bit. There was a little bit of tension when Thielen came Plus, out. that Minnesota defense is nasty. Right, when when Thielen came out and said, you know, we got to get the ball, we just got to throw the ball deep. I know we had the best running back in the league, but you got to get the wide receivers the ball. Uh, having said all that, yes, Minnesota's, I think Minnesota's got like the fifth ranked defense right now. They are wild. They are good. You know they they have no they have no holes. Their pass rush is great. The linebackers are good with Anthony yeah, Barr right. and and oh, uh, yeah. and Hendricks or Kendricks, yeah. Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. Uh, I give I give the Vikings a slight advantage. I say 28-24 Vikings. What do you like, Ev? Oh boy, I can't. I, I'm you would think Minnesota, right? Because they're at home. They run the football well. The Eagles, you know, they 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 the Eagles have trouble stopping the pass. But I'm. But every single time I put my basket, I put my eggs in the Vikings basket. They let me down. Philadelphia had a nice, tough road win the other day against Green Bay. They had a nice, tough road win against the Falcons. I am going to take by very close the Philadelphia Eagles, 27-24. I say they. I think they get the win here because again, there's something with the Vikings, and there's something again, there's something with Cousins where they face a good team, they face a game, a big game, and things just go haywire. I'm, and I think Philadelphia thrives on the road. They thrive in these kind of games. Doug Peterson, Carson, Carson Wentz, I think they get after Kirk Cousins. And the pass rush department, I will say Philly, 27-24. Monica has the Vikings. Uh, good game, though, in this one. Uh, next up, uh, another good one that I think that could be good. Saints at the Jaguars in Jacksonville. Jacksonville favored by a point or a point and a half here. I see a point. But yeah, Jacksonville, I see a point too. Point too, yeah. Jacksonville Saints in Jacksonville. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints, and I, like I said, this is I think a gimme game. One of my four sure four. Uh, I'm going to take the Saints. I can't believe the Saints are an underdog in this game. Can you believe that on the road? The Saints I- are four and one. Jaguars are two and three, and the Jags are favored Only by in this point. game. Only by a point. I mean, it's basically a pick up. I get yeah. it, but I would take the Saints, and I think the Saints are going to lay it down a little bit. I really do. This is a good football team. Teddy Bridgewater. Really hasn't made this offense take a dip. Uh, take a dip. I'm going to take the Saints big in this game. Uh, I'm going to go 27. I'm going to go 27-17 over the over the Jags. So I, I mean, I, I think we talked about it before. How I I I think Jalen. It sounds like Jalen Ramsey is going to play. And if that's the case, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. The Saints have an incredible... The Saints defense is playing as best as they have all season right now. Uh, I mean, Fournette had a great... Like, Fournette had a career-rushing yard game the other week. I think it was like 225. Right. I doubt he repeats that. Uh, I, I feel like his end zone 
his his struggles to reach the end zone are going to continue against a good defense like the Saints. Uh, I think that Gardner Minshew DJ Chark connection is good, but not good enough to overcome what the Saints got. I mean, the Saints have just been rolling. The Saints haven't missed a beat with Bridgewater taking snaps. No, so they haven't. I say this. I give the Saints the edge in this. Uh, I say thirty to seventeen Saints. Wow. All Ma- right. Monica has the New Orleans Saints in this game. Okay, if Jace, if Jalen Ramsey is playing, I'm going to take the Jaguars. If he's not playing, I will take the Saints by a final score of 20-17 each. So with Jalen Ramsey, I'll take the Jaguars. Without him, I will take the New Orleans Saints. All right. So next game. Uh, here we go. Bengals at the Ravens in Baltimore. Ravens favored by 10.5. Monica has the Ravens in this one. Uh, she's picking the Ravens. Yeah, I, I, I see Ravens minus 11. I think it's, it's going to go now. either way. Uh, uh, yeah, the Ravens are going to blow the Bengals out at home. I, I, I just Baltimore, I think, is going to destroy the Bengals. Destroy them. They struggled last week against Pittsburgh with half the game, no Mason Rudolph. Again, rebound. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a field day in this game. I think he's going to have a field day running the football, too. He's going to have a monster day. That, care, uh, that Cincinnati defense can't stop anybody. And honestly, the Bengals' offense has been terrible, and I mean terrible, all year long. I don't expect that to change right now. I am going to take the Ravens. You ready for this, Evan? Shoot for it. Go for it. 41-13 to 13 over the Bengals. Wow. All right. I definitely am going to go with the Ravens on this one. The Bengals have been abysmal on both sides of the ball. They have no direction. You know, they've had no A.J. Green all season. And even when he's mentioned in headlines, it's talking about where they're going to potentially trade him to. Uh, you know, the Bengals are just the Bengals. It's just they're, they're, they're an organization that needs a massive overhaul. I know they fired Marvin Lewis, which was long overdue, by the way, after 17 seasons and not a single playoff victory. So I, I, I'm very much good. I think the Ravens going to roll over the, the Bengals at home this one. And I'm going to go... Yeah, I'm gonna go with a big one. I say Bengal. I think I say Ravens win twenty-seven to three. Twenty-seven three. Look at that, three. Evan. Uh, now, Evans. Evans, as a pessimistic Ravens fan, I make fun of him for it. He's gonna be like, "Oh, I'm gonna take twenty-one uh, twenty Ravens." Win by a point. Yeah. Hold on a minute. Game winning field goal. Uh, sure. You, sure. You know what? Game winning field goal. All right. Hey, Justin Tucker, right? Like I said, Mike, you've been questioning the Ravens too the last couple of weeks. I've kind of gotten you on my side on the Ravens, but no, in this game, uh, all right, might be there might be no Hollywood Brown. The Ravens do have injuries, but the fact of the matter is, the Bengals have the 31st ranked rush defense in football. The Ravens have one of the best run offenses in football. Just run the football, run, 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 run some more, and get there, get out of there with a win. I'll say 20 because after this, after this game, the schedule gets really tough for them. Bengals always give them fits, but I will say the Ravens 28 to 10. They will run the football like crazy. Over the Bengals. Four o'clock window. All right. Here we go. Niners at the Rams. Big one here in the NFC West. Rams by three in this one. This is a big one. If San Francisco wants to really prove it, prove it here against the Rams. Rams are three, three and a half favorites here. Who does Monica have? Monica has the Rams in this one. And she had uh, she had Baltimore? She had the Ravens, too. Okay. Actually, I apologize. She has San Francisco. She had, oh, she, okay. So Monica has San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. This is one of the tougher games to pick in the week. That's why I didn't gamble on it. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Rams at home now, and I think it is gonna be by the skin of their teeth. Now it's gonna be a tough matchup because that 
49ers defensive line is incredibly good. And we've seen that Rams offensive line struggle so far this year. So I think that will cause Jared Goff fits. But I do think that Jared Goff and those wide receivers can take advantage of the secondary in San Francisco, which really isn't great. I also think that the defensive line for the Rams is going to give Jimmy Garoppolo fits. Eventually, I think they got to lose a division game, too. So I'm going to say the Rams win at home against the Niners. Extremely close game. I would say a bit... I'll, you know what? I'll give it an average score. Give me 24 to 21 Rams at home. I think this is a this is an extremely important game for two for both teams. I think it's a little. This bit, is a huge game for the Rams. I think I think it's a little huge bit, I think it's a little bit more important for the Rams. You know, Todd Gurley's questionable still. We're not sure if we're going to see him on the field, which is, I mean, listen, there. I know Todd Gurley's not been the same this season. He's not the Todd Gurley that we saw last season. No, not even close. But, you know, nevertheless, he is Todd Gurley. He is a factor in that yeah. offense that you can't really replace. Uh, you know, San Francisco's rolling right now. Their front seven is disgustingly good. Nick Bosa really showed what he can do against the Browns. Eh, he's going to be an animal. Nick Bosa showed what he can do with the Browns. They still got Buckner. You know, they got Armstead they got and Armstead. Ford. And they got a lot of people that can play on that team. So, I mean... I think they're going to give him a hard time. I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm going to take. I'm going to also give the slight to the Rams because I. And and you know another thing that's got to be considered. This is an excellent coaching matchup. This Kyle is, Shanahan, Sean, Sean McVay, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan, two offensive geniuses that are going head to head. Shanahan might be a little bit more offensively. Genius, right? I was. Listen, I was. I was watching. I was watching this. Uh, I was watching whatever it was first take the other day that when they were talking about when they fired Jay Gruden and how Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay were in that Redskins building together at one point. But they said that McVay had the charisma. You know, he had the smile. He had the 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 juice or whatever. McVay's it was. like a mini Gruden. You've right. heard me say and that. And then and then Shanahan was the brains. He was kind of the the numbers guy. Yeah, smart. He's like his father. Brilliant, exactly. But I will give the slight advantage to the Rams. I say. 27-25 Rams at home. Yeah, I'll give me the Rams too here in this one. I'll take the Rams too. Although, again, I haven't liked what I've really fully seen from the Rams this year overall. Goff has been rocky. Having said that, I think at home, Gurley gets going against the Niners. It's a tough front seven. I think Goff in this passing attack will attack the Niners secondary. Get, and the Rams are for real. The Rams are for real. San Francisco off to a great 4-0 start, but I think LA takes. Remi- I think LA remind people that they're the best team in the NFC when West. Are the Ram- when are the Rams going to give Daryl Henderson some snaps? That rookie they drafted in the third round. I, I mean, is this not a, fi- a fine opportunity to do so? It is. It I mean, is. I mean, it's kind of uh, a must-win game, but I mean, still. Do you want to go through the games quickly? Because we got. I know we got to get the celebrity. Yeah, uh, let's 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 motor through. A little okay, bit. Falcons Cardinals. Uh, Monica has the Falcons in this one. Falcons on the road, favored by two and a half. Uh, I am going to take Arizona. I'm going to take Arizona in this one. I'm going to take it slight. I think Kyler Murray is going to... I think he's going to work against that Falcons defense. They haven't been good this year. So I am going to take Arizona. They match up well. Arizona's got a good pass rush, too. And the Falcons' O-line has struggled. Arizona, lower scoring game. I'm going to say Arizona 20, uh, Atlanta 17. I will take the Falcons also, but only because 
I mean, the Falcons are doing bad right now, but they are not one in five bad. They're not. They're, I, I think they're better than their, I think they're better than their record suggests. Uh, I don't think this will be a blowout game. I think it'll be close. I'm gonna take the Falcons. You ready? I'm gonna take the Falcons 2013. 2013. Right. I'm gonna take the Monica Falcons. has Atlanta. We're all on the Falcons too. Titans at the Broncos. Broncos by two. Falcons. Uh, I'm sorry. Falcons up by two and a half. Favorites in that one. Uh, I got the Falcons too. Titans at the Broncos. Broncos by two at home. Uh, I am gonna take Denver. I actually am gonna take Denver. Really? Uh, yeah, because. Look, I love I love Denver's home field advantage. I think that is a massive, massive thing for them. Denver getting a good win on the road against the Chargers, I think, charges them up a little bit. Vic Fangio, I think, can coach with a little bit more confidence. Uh, that Denver defense is good, and I don't trust Marcus Mariota. I, I get that Tennessee's defense is good as well, but I can trust Tennessee's running. Uh, I'm sorry. I can trust Denver's running game a little bit more. I'm going to take the Broncos. Again, another low-scoring game. I'm going to say 17-13 over Tennessee. I'm going to take the Titans. Uh, Bradley Chubb's out for the year. You know, that's a big loss for them in terms of pass rushing. The Titans have a very good offensive line. Uh, I think even if Von Miller can get after Mariota, Mariota is still one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I don't think their corners are good enough to cover these young, big, fast receivers like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis. Uh, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the advantage to Tennessee. Low scoring, like you. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 21 7, 20, 23 17 Titans. Yeah, it's a tough one for me. Uh, uh, Monica has the Broncos too. She's picking the Broncos. This is a tough one. But the Denver offense usually plays. They play a little bit better at home than they do on the road. Right. The Broncos defense. They're, they've been fine overall. They haven't gotten turnovers and sacks, but statistically they've been fine. But they have trouble stopping the run, which is Tennessee's strength is running the football. And they're scrappy. I'm going to take Tennessee 20-17. to 17. This is tough because I could pick Denver too. I, I could see Denver winning this game. But I'm going to take D- Tennessee because they can, they're going to run the football. Cowboys, Jets. Darnold's back, but, it's still, but again, no Quinn and Williams. Maybe no C.J. Mosley, no Herndon. Mike. Monica's going with the Cowboys. Are you Cowboys? Cowboys by seven and a half on the road against the Jets. I am going to take Dallas. I'm going to take Dallas big. Like I said, bounce back theory. Dak Prescott got humiliated in his own building uh, last week. He's going to take it out on the Jets. I think Darnold's going to struggle early right now. I think he's still getting back from the illness. Uh, and they they're hurt. They're hurt. They're out a couple wide receivers. They're out a tight end. They're out some defensive players. I'm going to take Dallas big. I'm going to take 34-13 Dallas at MetLife. I'm also going to take Dallas, too. I see Ray over here, you know, just getting getting so angry right now. But I, I'm going to take Dallas. I'm going to take Dallas in a big, big, big game, too. I'm going to say 20, 28-10. 28-10 Dallas. I'm going to take, take the Dallas Cowboys, too. I, again, I love Donald's back, but... Again, questions on the defense. The Jet Demons has played admirably well. So that so and I think the Jet fans will be pumped up and ready to get Darnold back. The whole team will be ready to pump up to get uh, to get Darnold back. I don't think this will be a blowout. I think that this will be a competitive game, but I think the Cowboys will pull away in the end. 26 to 30, 26-17, 27-17. I say, I, say Demarcus, I say Demarcus Lawrence gets to Darnold at least three times. I could see the Zach Lawrence. I could see Lawrence. That'd be hot. I could see them having a big I would day. love that. That'd be so hot. That'd be amazing. 20- <laughs> uh, 
Steelers at the Chargers. Sunday night. Sunday night football. Chargers by six and a half or seven. I believe they have seven to one. Yeah, I see Chargers minus seven at seven. home. Yeah, Monica has uh, the Chargers too. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, listen, the Chargers got to bounce back at some point. Phillip Rivers has struggled a little bit this year. Uh, they're kind of hard to diagnose because I don't really know what their problem is. They don't really stop anybody, but they don't really score points either. It's, it's a very weird dynamic there. But Pittsburgh... Uh, I believe Devlin Hodges is starting at quarterback, correct? Mason Rudolph is in the concussion protocol. So I would imagine that it is uh, Devlin Hodges. But even if it is Mason Rudolph, I'm not in love with the Steelers right now, especially on the road. Those wide receivers for the Chargers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, guys like Travis Benjamin, they're going to get after that Steelers secondary. I like the Chargers in this one. I'm going to say Chargers go 31 to 21 over the Steelers. Their all-time series is 22 to 8 in favor of the Steelers. Uh, I'm actually going to change my score. 31 20. That's with Ben Roethlisberger, though. So I mean, you know, we can talk about the Chargers' struggles all they want. You know, no, uh, no Derwin James. Is Melvin Gordon playing? Melvin Gordon's playing, right? Melvin Gordon's mm-hmm. back. Uh, Mike Williams is back. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers. This is an easy one. I'm going to take the Chargers. Uh, 20, uh, 20, 25 to 14. Chargers. All right. Evan, who do you like? Chargers. Uh, Chargers 21-10, pretty much. I like. I think the Chargers get a bounce-back win. I mean, hey, you can't have a – I mean, hey, they lost at home to the Broncos. Division rival, granted, it was a division rival, so I can give them a pass for that. Broncos always get play them tough. Steelers at home, give it the Chargers. I think the Chargers get a bounce-back win. Lions-Packers Monday night. This is a good one. This is a good one. Packers by four and a half here. Yeah, I see Packers by five is at Lambeau. Uh, I I do like Green Bay in this game. I think it's going to be a really... I know the Lions are coming off a bye, so they're going to be rested and healthy. And Detroit has played well so far this year. I mean, they really did take it to Kansas City, and that's a big deal. So I'm impressed by Detroit a little bit, but Green Bay is really good. I think Green Bay is the second best team in the NFC, maybe behind New Orleans. And i got to be honest with you... That defense is fantastic. They've got great corners. That pass rush is dangerous. And that Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur thing looks like it's working. They've got a bunch of receivers that nobody's ever heard of, and they're playing well. Uh, I am going to take the Packers on Monday Night Football at Lambeau. I'm going to take them, like, I'm going to say 24-17 over the Lions. No Devontae Adams, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so, no. No Devontae Adams. So we're looking at... Aaron Rodgers with Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Jimmy Graham, Aaron Jones, and who else? Geronimo Allison. Geronimo Allison. So I mean, I, I do think that Stafford and those and those Lions receivers are going to struggle hard against that Green Bay secondary. I think uh, I think Zadarius Smith is going to get after Stafford a lot. Also, look, J- Jairi Alexander and Kevin King are. are Two very, very good young corners. There they are. Uh, I would say I would say I'd give the slight edge to Green Bay, despite no Devontae Adams. I'd say Green Bay 24-20 over Detroit. What do you key, like, Ev? Key for the Lions here is run the football, so I want to see a lot of carry on Johnson. 
keep that because that's the weakness of the Packer defense. Keep the Packers offense off the field. Use the weakness of the Packers defense, which is against the run. So I want to see a lot of carry on Johnson. Having said that, I'm going to say the Packers 27-20. They will get after Matthew Stafford, cause a few turnovers. Aaron Rodgers and the Packer offense will do enough with Aaron Jones running the football. Rodgers setting up play action. They'll get the ball to they'll get the ball to some of their guys. I know there's no Devontae Adams. 27-20, 27-20 Green Bay. Key to the Lions, carry on Johnson. Run the football with carry on Johnson. All right, so uh, there we go. There week you- week six picks are submitted. They are in. Uh, if you didn't hear your team's name, the Bills, Bears, Colts, and Raiders, they're all on a bye this week, so enjoy your week off. So uh, just to read, just to do Monica, just so I don't – I did it again. She has the Chargers, and she has the uh, – actually, she does not have a pick for Monday Night Football, but she will make her pick on Monday night. I'm sure she'll make her pick Monday night, so that's not a big deal. All right, uh, here we go. This might be the quickest celebrity death match ever we've all, we've done. Celebrity Friday athlete, death athlete death, death match. match. Head into your weekend. We're over time, but it's all, all right. right. We'll spend a few right. minutes on it. Friday athlete death match. Here we go. All right, here we go. Juan Soto versus Glaber Torres. You both mentioned it. Here we go. Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres. He's older and bigger. I think. Glaber Torres. I would take him. Yeah, I'm taking Glaber. Uh, even though Glaber would never hurt a fly. But he's, he's just a perfect gentleman. Yeah, but if he could, if he if he's got to do it, he's got to do it. Don't step to You got to do what you got to do, man. What about you, Ev? Soto's a big boy. I mean, Soto is a big dude. Let me see. You take Juan Soto. 6'2". I'm punching so- him in the face. Soto is 6'2". <laughs> Torres is what? 6... I don't think... I don't think... 6'1". I don't think Glaber's 6'2", yeah. I might go Soto. I might go Soto. That's disgusting. I'm, I might go Soto. Go away. Fight. I hate you, Evan. Okay. Nobody I can, likes I, you, I Evan. Can, I can... Okay. Sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. The, I'm going to go with yesterday's game. Stefan Gilmore against Golden Tate. Gilmore. I'd probably take Gilmore. Gilmore being, yeah. Gilmore. Stephon Gilmore is 6'1", 202. And I think Golden, Golden Tate, I think, is like 5'11", if I'm not mistaken. Golden Tate yeah, he's 5'11". is 5'10", 197. They've I both would, been in the league for a, a while. A while, they yeah. Both, they're both seasoned veterans. Golden Tate is 31, and Stephon Gilmore's 29. So, I, I, yeah, I would take Gilmore. I'll take Gilmore, too. This is a funny one that Matt came up with before. Go for it. Ian Rappaport <laughs> versus Adam Schefter. <laughs> <laughs> I actually didn't think I even had. An Who's answer. the quickest to get the source out for who they win? For uh, who wins the fight? I would in a fight though. I'd probably take Rap Sheet. I'll take Rappaport too. I would take Rappaport. I'll take you guys' work for a pick Rappaport. And I then I'm, I'm, I'm forcing you to do this one too, Evan. Oh no. Shams versus Woj. <laughs> I said that before. Like Shams Listen. is like at 20 years younger. Yeah, than I was gonna say Shams. Shams would motor younger. Woj. Woj would be able to sit on him though. I think. But Woj got dropped the Woj box. Uh, Woj kind of looks like the sit on you guy, right? A little bit. Sit on you. I don't sit know. on you. I don't know how you can determine that by looking at somebody. I don't know. Probably not. I don't know either. Uh, Sorry, I take that back. I love Woj. Miles Garrett versus Jadavion Clowney. Oh, that's a good one. I'll take Miles Garrett. I'll Miles, take Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett's enormous. Is 6'4", 272. And Jadavion Clowney. I think Jadavion Clowney is like 6'8", 6'9", something like that. Jadavion Clowney is 6'5", 255. I'll take Garrett. Oh, God, that's tough. I don't know. Clowney's an animal. I would probably take Jadavion Clowney. 
He's an animal, Javion Clowney. You ever see? You ever see Garrett's body issue? No, I know he's he's Dude's a beast. He's got the body of like Perseus. No, I know, but <laughs> hey, listen, you can't. You, you haven't seen Jadavion Clowney's body though yet. I mean, that guy's that, seriously. I have a that, that guy's Clowney's a jer- physical freak. I have Jadavion Clowney's jersey. I love Jadavion Clowney, but I am taking Miles Garrett in that. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be close. But I'm taking Jadavion Clowney. Who do we got? I mean, uh, Miles Garrett. Okay, I'm gonna go to that Eagles Vikings game. Hmm. Anthony Barr. Against, uh, what do we got, what do we got, what do we got, what do we got? Anthony Barr versus Nigel Bradham. I'll go middle line, linebacker versus linebacker. Nigel Bradham is 6'2", uh, 6'2", 241. Anthony Barr is 6'5", 255. I would take Barr. And Barr. I would take Barr in a landslide. Ready? I have, I have a better one from that game. You ready? Go for it. Fletcher Cox or Linval Joseph? Oh, oh that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, okay. All right. That's All right. A good Fletcher one. Cox is a big boy, That's dude. a good one. Linval Joseph Fletcher Cox is a is big dude. 6'4", 329. And Fletcher Cox is 6'4", 310. Oh wow, that's, that's tough, right? that is tough. That's a good one. I would maybe. T- I think I would take Linval Joseph by a hair. I would take Linval Joseph by a hair. He's a beast. Yeah. Is Linval Joseph the best run stopper in the league? No. Is it Snacks? Yeah. Statistically, it is. I know last year Snacks was the number one run stopper. In the I league. know Snacks used to be, but then when he got traded to Detroit, I thought he got worse. I don't know. I know that when he was on the Giants, he was, and that was only two years ago. Melvin Ingram versus uh, TJ Watt. Oh. it's a good one. 6'2", 247. That's Melvin Ingram. And TJ Watt. Is 6'4", 252. Wow. That's close. I'll take Watt. Yeah, I think I'd have to take Watt. That Watt family is just a load of big boys, man. All right. Uh, do one more, Ev. Oh, I had a good one. Go for it. It's fine. No, no, no. Ev, no go for it. Okay, okay, go. Okay. Mike, uh, Matt, just go okay. for it. Rams 49ers, ready? Aaron Donald or DeForest Buckner? <laughs> I might pick Donald. I might go Donald, but Buckner's a monster. Aaron Donald Buckner's is a monster. 6'1", 280. I think Buckner's got like a good like six inches I, on Yeah, I think yeah. DeForest Buckner is 6'7", 300. At Buckner, I'm taking I Buckner. would take Buckner, too. And it's hard Buckner's to a monster. It's hard to choose against Aaron Donald, but Buckner might be the one yeah, guy DeForest, I would do. DeForest Buckner is just a flat-out animal. Dude, it's crazy. Okay. I thought that was a good one. That's a really good one. All right, last one, Ev. Make it good. Okay. Well, you guys, I don't, think, I don't think you Yankee fans are ready for this. I don't think Yankee fans are ready oh, for this. Oh, God. I don't think Yankee fans are ready for this. Carlos Correa versus, I don't want to see Aaron Judge, because that, that might be a little unfair. Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, who is 6'4", versus Mike Talkman. <laughs> Yo, Mike Talkman in a freaking landslide. Mike Talkman in a, yeah. Okay, Carlos Correa versus Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez. Uh, give Gary's side. a thick boy. I'd give the edge. Gary can take. Gary looks like he can take a punch. I would take Gary Sanchez, but Gary was, looks like the type of guy you punch him in the face and smile after it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, spit but, out some blood and then smile and then wink and then kill you. you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> so something Evan, like that. Evan, Matt and I came up with this one earlier. Go for it. 
Michael Brantley, George Springer, oh, and yeah. Josh Reddick. Oh, and a hit in a three-on-one. Against Aaron Judge and Giancarlo and a, Stanton. And a three-on-one. And a th- oh, three-on-two. 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 So what is it? Altuve, Brantley. Uh, Brantley, Springer, and Reddick. The outfield of... It's, it's the, out, the outfield it's the of the Astros. Astros. Versus two-thirds of the outfield of the Yankees, <laughs> which is Stanton and Judge. I would take, <laughs> I would take Stanton and Judge. Gardner as a tag team. Gardner, Gardner as a yeah. tag team. Gardner as a tag team. Gardner's the little, like, fast, like, RC car that runs yeah, around. Yeah, exactly. The guy that'll, like, punch you in the kidney when you're not looking. And then just sputter away. Yeah, and then just, like, kind of go into, like, a little hole in the wall. I like that. I still take the Yankees. Think Judge and Stan can handle themselves. All right. Oh, that was a good one, man. That was good. That was good. That's Friday Athlete Deathmatch. That was good, man. Do it every Friday to get you ready for your weekend. Uh, you all right. Brick wall on your Friday. <laughs> all right. Uh, that does it for us. That's Matt Catarizzolo, our Big J journalist. Evan Mazza, my producer. I'm Mike Guido. This is the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Big weekend this weekend. We'll be back on Monday. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.